Live. We are live. Let me get the link. Put it on the interweb. So that people understand that I'm live on the internet. Uh, take you. Get shareable link. TV slash scouching. Go. All right. We'll wait for some people to file in here. It is, uh, what's the date today? February the 10th, 2020. Um, how are we? <laughs> Hello, son. Good evening. Been a busy week over here at Casa Scouch. Uh, I, uh, I know I said in an earlier post on Twitter today that I might have a little surprise to talk about in the video tonight. And, uh, honestly, um, honestly, I, uh, forgot to put a video out today. So, uh, it'll be out tomorrow. I am putting, uh, if you're not a McKean subscriber and you're unfamiliar, I do NHL rookie report videos. So taking a look at NHL rookies, um, and how they're translating to the NHL. And the first one for this season is on Alexander Romanov, so that will be dropping tomorrow. Uh, unfortunately, I was extremely busy and forgot about doing it today. But that will happen sometimes. Uh, I was going to do a second one this weekend, but I burned my tongue last Thursday or Wednesday, I think, on soup. Uh, made some homemade uh, Thai soup and burned my tongue so bad that... Um, I spent about the last five days barely able to, to talk a whole lot. It was very uncomfortable. Uh, so the last thing I wanted to do was pull out of a, a camera and film for 45 straight minutes uh, talking about Rookie Report subject number two, uh, who will be Niels Hoaglander. But that will be filmed this weekend and hopefully out for people uh, tomorrow. Or not tomorrow. Filmed on the weekend, out tomorrow. Um, filmed on the weekend, out next week. Uh, at least for patrons and McKean's people. So stay tuned for that. Uh, hopefully next week as well, if you're a McKean's person and a patron, there will also be the next Whatever Happened To series. Uh, this, um, this will be, uh, uh, the first two were Elias Anderson and Oliver Wallstrom. The third one's going to be on Mario Ferraro. So I'm taking a bit of a different angle where a player who is outperforming their draft slot is now the subject rather than looking at players who might be underperforming and why. Um... So that's the next few things that need to pop up and, and, and happen on the channel, um, and on, on the platform here. Uh, scouting reports are going to start happening soon. Uh, probably end of March you'll start seeing them. Uh, I have a few guys I'm up to five games of, uh, of the seven that, that are my goal. Um, so I definitely want to start churning those out in March. Uh, we'll see how many I get done um, because... Usually I don't like to make them unless I have a, a lot of things to say. And there are a lot of players this year where I have trouble, uh, at least at the top end of the draft, where I have a lot of trouble um, feeling... Uh, I, I have a lot of trouble articulating long-form thoughts that would be meaningful. But we'll, go, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I think there's a lot of players that are a bit lesser known that I would really like to give a platform to, so I'm going to probably be doing more of that this year. 
I, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of lists out there, a lot of, a lot of rankings and lists. I will probably have one. That's another thing. I probably will be putting one out in the next seven days. Um, first to patrons, of course, but that will be given out pretty soon. It doesn't take super long to put together and I'm feeling pretty good about the list as it is now. Um, but if you want little previews of what that might look like, feel free to ask. Um, so yeah, uh, where was I? I lost my train of thought, uh, as the, uh, for the, for the original subject of the, of the conversation. Um, someone asked about what I'm wearing. Uh, yeah. What's the gear setup, Ray? Uh, I, uh, meant to bring this out last week actually. And I forgot and I realized it immediately as I, as I shut down. Um, I, I went out of my way to like buy a few of these retro jerseys this year and, um, I did this for me. And if I look like a fool in 10 years for doing this, I don't really care. Uh, and it also holds more value to me now because the guy is now out for the entire season with, of course, coronavirus. So... I went out and did this. Um, I mean, I didn't... I. It sucks uh, that he's not going to play this year, but I believe... Uh, I still believe in the guy, and, and everyone else probably should too. So, Marco Rossi, uh, I might have one of the very few Minnesota Wild jerseys out here. Um, okay. We can dive into the questions now. Um... So let's uh let's take a look here. Um Okay. Nick. Hello, Nick. Uh I know you're not very high in Mukamadulin, but off all breaks right, what could a ceiling be? Um Yeah. I, the thing that Mukamadulin has going for him is he, for a big guy he can skate okay in a straight line. Like for a big guy. Um and that can take you a ways in in, in hockey. Um you know he's got decent edges for a guy his size like he he he's not unable of moving unable of moving around the ice um you know if all if everything works out for him in the best possible way maybe there's a second pair defenseman there who you can put out on your second unit power play something up up that alley um and you you know <laughs> you you might need to worry about him a little bit defensively but the you know like you got to come a long way with his puck decision and puck management um you know he's a really big guy who's still really hesitant to use the body on guys when he needs to um there's a long way to go before he crosses that but there might be a second pair second unit power play quarterback style defenseman who can rush the puck um, like that's kind of where I see him, but it seems like the devils want him as a more physical guy. I don't know. I don't know. But my understanding of him, if everything worked out was, would be that he would be a guy that you put on as a, as a puck rusher at, at his, you know, at, at being the most optimistic as you can, um, and, and hold your nose and pray that things defensively work out. Um, so yeah, I, but I, again, I think that's a bit of a, a bit of a ways down the road. Uh, Logan, welcome. First time joining live. What's up? Now get out. Uh, Hushu, assalamu alaikum. What up? Hello. Um, 
Also, do you think some of his issues may have been with him being rushed or realized he only played 15 MHL games and one VHL game? Potentially. Uh, potentially with Shakir Mukamadoulin. I mean, he didn't play very much in the MHL. He was pretty much on the KHL team starting out of camp. Um, but they, they were giving him big minutes. And, I mean, like, he can skate. And that's a big, big benefit. Um, I don't know. I watched him play in the MHL, and he still wasn't impressive. So whether or not it was because he was rushed or something, even when he was at the junior level, there was big, big question marks. It wasn't really so much about the KHL with him for me. Um, Brian, what's up? I hope you're having a great night too. Uh, Brian, Brian is a very active member of the community. So everybody, everybody give Brian all their money. Um, Hosang's been released by his SHL team. What's in store? Yeah. I mean, if you read the statement that their manager made, um, he was just behind everyone else and they couldn't factor him in, um, which sucks. And I kind of get what they're saying. It kind of read like he was just bad and out of shape relative to the rest of the team. But like that could mean that, yeah, legitimately he was out of shape. But I think that that more than anything means Urbro is like months into their season and this guy hasn't played a pro game yet all year. And it just, you know, shoehorning that in mid-season is tough. I mean, if I'm Josh Hosang, I'm not getting down on myself. I, I said a little while ago that I wouldn't be surprised if he was a guy who ended up playing in Europe for the rest of his career. I mean, I certainly would give him a go, but the problem is that he signed mid-season. So if this is it for him in the NHL, which I wouldn't be surprised if it was, at least for now, um, you know, find a spot in Europe where you can get a training camp, get your feet going, maybe a place like Switzerland where someone like Josh Hosang can be a premier player and play a lot of minutes and score points. Um, and try to sort of rejuvenate himself, sort of capture the game again and, and sort of get back on, on both his feet and, and consistent. That would be my, if I was his agent, that would be my advice. You know, maybe Sweden might not be the best option, but trek somewhere a little, a step below, you know, maybe even a Finland and just get on the big ice, play around with a bunch of space and, and get that fire back, you know, cause he was in the middle of, AHL, NHL, tweenerdom forever, and say what you will about the Islanders, I, I don't really care, but it, it doesn't matter either way uh, that that he ended up sort of fizzling out there. Um, whether it was his fault or whoever's fault it was, I don't really enjoy playing the blame game. Um, but I do, I've seen him play in the AHL both in person and on the internet a lot. And I don't usually like to throw around body language things. Um, but it really felt like he just couldn't care less about being in the AHL, which is not going to do you any favors if you're also complaining about lack of ice time. Like, I get it. I get, I understand and empathize. I'm not a professional hockey player, but I can, I can put myself in his shoes and, and think, I, I understand. I get it. And I think worse players than him got much longer looks in the NHL. Um, but I still would say, like, look, Think of think long term, head over you know stay overseas for a bit you know sign with a team that wants to play you because those must exist. Um, Erebro is not a joke, and uh, and just sort of get your feet going and and play minutes and just chip in, um, and then from there I mean if he's in Europe for the next two or three years maybe he comes back after that but I don't know I'm not in his head I just think that he needs to sort of 
whether whether he whether it's legitimate or not i think he needs to sort of take a minute and or take a little while and uh and just play like just find a place where he's comfortable who where he can play and be successful again and i think that that's possible i think he has the talent level to do it um and and but again that's something that's totally up to him so yeah but but judging by what Arebro did and what they said i'm not i'm it sucks but i'm not surprised um what was a player you had go really high but what was a what was a player you had to go really high but just didn't uh i'm not quite following what you mean by that question there josh so maybe rephrase it i don't know if there's a typo in there or something but anyway um nick thoughts on nolan foot and riley walsh i haven't seen either of them in the ahl yet i mean nolan foot always has been a shooter i thought he was drafted too high but you know you can't really complain about that shot that he's got he's got some good skill as well um riley walsh honestly i have not seen very much of if i'm not mistaken he was a ivy league guy went to harvard i think um i haven't i haven't seen much of him i'm always skeptical of harvard or not harvard specifically but ivy league guys i don't think that cons that i don't think that that conference is as good as as the people's point totals would indicate like not a ton of really high-end players come out of there often um but we'll see i mean i don't know i i I would need to see those guys in the ahl before i'm really sure uh hey will what rookies in the ahl have impressed you thus far okay that's a i've seen a little bit of the ahl i've actually tried to go out of my way to watch a little bit so bear with me i haven't seen everyone i i am not focused on that side of the world of hockey so bear that in mind but i've really liked jack dugan with henderson uh i have uh really liked a lot of the guys on ontario even though they haven't won a lot um quinton byfield has looked good uh alex turcotte has looked pretty good um um there's another name that's escaping me on that team that's looked good uh, samuel fogmo brought out that shot the other night as well um but I'm, uh, there are other names that i'm forgetting about uh outside of that um Again, I haven't seen a ton of the AHL so far this year, but I do want to watch more because uh, some of the guys that I've been tracking uh, are entering the AHL, and 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 it'd be interesting to see how they translate. Um, hey, Will. Last week I asked about E2 Pakala, and you said to ask later, so here I am again. <laughs> yeah, he's one that I didn't get around to, so I'm actually gonna take his name and and put it right in my URL bar, and I will look this evening just for you. Mr. Um, more questions. What do you think of Corson Kuhlmans? Would be a good fit for the Devils. I'm not huge on on Corson Kuhlmans. Um, I know he hasn't played very much. One game that he's played, I tracked. Uh, he's a weird one. I, I think he's a rock-solid player to take in the second round. I know there are lists out there that have him in the first right now. Um you really got to be a, an otherworldly talented player in the AJHL, I think, uh, to to really be high up in the first round. And I mean, would I like if, if we're looking at AJHL defensemen from recent years? Do I take Corson Kuhlmans or Michael Benning? Probably Kuhlmans, um, but that's cl- it's closer to Benning than he is to Kale McCarr in my view. McCarr. Um, Oh, someone mentioned Seth Jarvis. Yeah, uh, Seth Jarvis, and there's someone else on 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 uh, that team that has looked really good, and I can't remember. I'm really blanking on the AHL guys right now, but yes, someone brought up Seth Jarvis. He has been dope. Um, oh, Jamison Rees. That's the one. Those two guys have looked really good from what I've seen. Um, 
Corson, yeah, so Corson Kuhlman's, uh, yeah, and relative to him and, say, Kale McCarr, I don't think that's even close. I, I, I think Kuhlman's is more than a step below Kale McCarr. I mean, I, I, I like him. I think that there's good skill there. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a decent passer. But at the AJHL level, again, I, need, I would need to see more, but I can't. He hasn't played. Um, he's in my second round right now. Maybe you could convince me to take him. I mean, I'll take a look at where I have him in terms of a tier. Um, at least I'm pretty sure he's in my second round. Yeah, so he's at the tail end of my fifth tier, which bleeds into the first round. So, like, he's in the mid-second to me, but if it, if there was a bunch of people, if, if I was pushing for, say, William Stromgren, and a bunch of people were like, no, 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 we need Corson Kuhlman's, I might push back on that a bit, but if someone was like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna take Sam Hellenius, or if I, if I wanted Samuel Hellenius, because Stromgren was off the board, why is he ranked? Anyway, um, if, if I, if I took um Coolman's or if someone pitched Coolman's and I was looking at say Samuel Hellenius uh I would I would probably not oh jeez I'd I'd probably have time to to discuss that um but I do I do like Samuel Hellenius for what it's worth uh try that again that looks better um so yeah I mean would he be a good fit with the Devils uh I guess I I don't know it depends on where you're taking him I wouldn't take him in the first round. I mean, I've seen him ranked at the top half of the first round. I wouldn't go that far. Um, so I don't know what I don't know if that means a fit for the Devils. I, I also haven't seen enough of him, especially recently, to really have a solid gauge on what his game looks like, especially for an AJHL defenseman. It's just really weird. Um, hey, Will. Following my comment, you took notes to watch recent games of Vili Koivinen and for an update on his game improvement. Yes, I did. Uh, he's on the list of games of names I tracked. Um, so yeah, uh, Koivinen is a weird one. Uh, I'll pull up his data. Um, Koivinen is, is a bit of a weird one. I mean, his possession data is fantastic. His passing data is great. He's a great puck controller. Like he, he, he's a really good transition player. Like all of the metrics look really good. Um, nothing in terms of generating offense at five on five is particularly outstanding, but like all of this points to a really successful sort of all-around player. He's a hard worker. He's smart away from the puck, especially. Um, you know, he makes he takes care of the puck. Um, it, you know, the the offensive generation. I think I think the game selection I've made. I've seen him as an opponent, and he cuts into the middle a lot more than he already does. I mean, he doesn't usually shoot the puck unless he's in a dangerous area. Like 80% of his shot attempts are dangerous, which is pretty high. But I only think I think I've only done three games of him so far, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, but in terms of a, watching him as an opponent, I've seen him do that quite a bit as well. Um, so he's not shy when it comes to that kind of offensive generation. But in terms of his passing game, he seems to be more of a neutral zone, um, more of a neutral zone sort of defensive zone puck control type player. And that's perfectly fine. You need guys like who can do that, um, and it and it bodes well for his potential translation. I think to the NHL if he can, you know, hone that a little bit to be a bit more aggressive in the offensive zone and and look for teammates offensively. I mean, Carpet's system as well. Like their Liga team and their under twenty team all seem to be very shy about getting to the front of the net and putting pucks in front of the net. Um, they seem to be very perimeter focused and like it takes forever for a lot of their guys to make traffic in front of the net 
Like, that's a big thing I'm realizing about not just carpet, but some European teams and leagues. Like, traffic in front is nowhere near what it is in North America. Like, the expectations of a player to get to the net and screen the goalie, they're just not on the same level. So that's always something to keep in mind. Like, when you see European goaltenders with 940 save percentages, 950 save percentages, especially in a place like Russia, like, keep in mind that they're not, in my experience, not a, a lot of that can be traced to not having as much traffic in front of you for valuable periods of time, um, for valuable periods of time that, that, that are, are usually not there in the NHL. And that can factor into a goalie's performance for sure. Um, at least in my experience, I could be off base on that, but that's just something I've picked up in the last couple of months. Um, Oh, your second follow-up question. Uh, sorry. Does Kuhlman's have top pair potential? I don't see that right now. Um, where do you have Kale? Where did you have Kale McCarr ranked? And are you surprised about how he ended up? I honestly don't remember where I had Kale McCarr ranked. And honestly, the ranking that I put together for 2016 has been lost to history. Uh, I can't find it. I mean, I, I know where the sheet is, but something copied weird and it destroyed everything. Um, I remember I was, uh, a little bit, he was, wait, when was he drafted? Um, was it 2017? I had him ranked ninth and in retrospect, I mean, I, I know a lot more than I do now. Uh, I, I did then, sorry. I know a lot more than I did then. I definitely had concerns about Casey Middlestat's five on five offense at the time, um, with Kale McCarr, I remember the biggest concern that I had was, is he going to play this way in the NHL? Is it going to happen? Um, and, and he, he was in the AJHL attack, 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 attack. And you do not often see that in the NHL, especially back in 2016, 17. It just doesn't happen or didn't happen as much. Um, and if you're, if you're saying, well, he might be the next Eric Carlson, that's a that's pretty exclusive company. There aren't very many players that play like Eric Carlson and are particularly successful, at least over time. Um, but a lesson there is, well, the player can do those things, so what happens when they learn when to do those things properly? You know, and, and where's the rest of their game around it? And that's kind of the blind spot that I had looking at Kale McCarr and his development ever since. Um, middle stat, I definitely had concerns about, but I loved the skill. Uh, I, I thought he was certainly rushed by the Buffalo Sabres as well. Like that guy should not have been out of college in a year after, after watching him in college that year for a bit of time. Owen Tippett, I think the jury's still out on him, but I mean, yeah, versus Kale McCarr, that's a miss. Um, oh, Chuck, thank you. Uh, I'll cover that question once I go through this. I mean, I, I really, really liked Gabe Velarde. I mean, looking back on it, I probably would have had Kale McCarr, knowing what I know now, probably six or seven. Um, I mean, I really liked Cody Glass. I, I, I still do. Um, but that's another one where even knowing what I know now, I probably would have really liked him and, and put him in there. But if, if someone pushed Kale McCarr over Cody Glass, I probably wouldn't say no. But I, I also think Gabe Velarde's career would be much different if he didn't deal with the injury issues he's dealt with. And Elias Pettersson is still Elias Pettersson, and nobody was not having Nolan Patrick and Nico Heischer one too. Um, you know, it, I'm and again, I'm not trying to be revisionist here. Like, I'm trying to be genuine. If I was not a coward at the time, uh, Elias Pettersson would have been number two for me. I, I loved him. 
I really like Nico Heischer. I thought Nolan Patrick was really good. No worse than three. Velarde, Haskinen, and then Glass McCarr probably would be how it goes. And you know what? Good for Kale McCarr, though. He's been phenomenal. Um, who's a prospect you watched and tracked in the past week that surprised me? Uh, surprised me? Um, Simon Robertson. Uh, Brian, you're in the Discord server, so you know... Um, I'm huge on Simon Robertson and seeing him play more and more in the SHL, I I'm even more on board. I I think he could be a a tremendous hockey player. Um, there's skill, there's skating, you know, he's smart. He, he works hard both ends of the ice. You know, I think he's a player where like, we just talked about Kale McCarr where he has all this talent, but you know, he's going to need to like know when to pick his spots and rein it in. Whereas with Simon Robertson, it's like the opposite. He, he, and I mean, he's playing at a much higher level than the AJHL. Um, but he doesn't, he, he doesn't attack as much as he should, or as he could. He'll stop up at the blue line, survey the ice and take a little bit too much time when he has all the momentum and all the power and all the speed to just jump into the offensive zone. But I would be willing to bet on that and encourage him to try those things rather than him not being able to do it in the first place and trying to get the talent level up to a point where he can do that. And I think Robertson is a really, 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 really good player, um, or could be. And I, you know, he's one that when I watch him play, I get excited. Like he's he's a really exciting player. He's one of the few players in this year's draft, in my opinion, that can chain together positive events. Like one thing that drew me to Marco Rossi is that on the ice, no matter what situation, he just chained together positive events. And Robertson is another one of those who, in the SHL, from time to time chains together those events William Eklund can chain together those those things together and that's the style of player that I think I'm looking for a lot of the time is is over over time a lot of the a lot of the time they they just keep they just keep doing good things over and over in quick succession with one another um so Chucky Chucky I'll get to your question here Turcotte Byfield Velarde who gets bumped to third C Honestly, it's God. I think it's Velarde. I, I, I think with Velarde, I mean, unless you're positive with his injury concerns and, and that they're kind of in the past, uh, I, I really think that you shelter him. Um, I mean, Turcotte Byfield, who cares who's one and who's two? Um, you know, I think I'm a believer in not really labeling them as such. I think that you just put together your best combination of guys and play the ones that are clicking. Um but I, I think realistically, Velarde, you probably protect a little bit better uh, and let him sort of come out in short spurts. I've really liked him since he's come back from injuries. Um, all things being considered, I think he's looked pretty good. Um, also, thank you very much for the donation. That's very nice of you. Anton Johansson seems to be getting as much hype as a top 50 pick. Why is there a divide about what tier of prospect he is? Because he's small, man. That's basically it. I mean, that guy is 150 pounds on a good day uh, a lot of the time. And, you know, I, I really, really like Anton Johannesson. I think, I mean, I don't think he's been playing this year. Uh, I don't know why. I haven't heard anything, uh, if it's injury-related or not or what. But um, based on what I saw last year, uh, I, I am a cheer, I'm a cheerleader for him. I, I really want him to, to work out. Um, and there are other reasons too. Like I had multiple conversations with people in the biz last year about him because I, I was finding all this positive data and just was like, what is the deal with this? You know, when he was playing with Emil Andre, he looked much better than Emil Andre in a number of areas. 
not to say that I would say he's like better than Emil Andre, but I, I mean, I, I liked him a little bit more as a, as a prospect. Um, but with Anton Johansson, um, I, I, I really, really like what he brought to the table. I thought he was a top 50 player last year, incredible puck mover, great passing vision, really aggressive, really, really aggressive through the neutral zone with his passing, but he knew how to do it. Um, great skill along the blue line offensively to sort of shake off opponents could quarterback a power play. Like there's a lot of things that Anton Johansson brought to the table and yeah, he's, he's small and he was weak on his feet. Um, but I don't know. I, I think with him, the pros outweighed the cons and all things considered, he was a net positive defensive player, but that granted was at the, um, uh, super elite level or J 20 national, whatever you want to call it. Uh, some questions about Russians at the Swedish hockey games. What's Ibragamov's playing style? I have no clue. I barely remember seeing Ibragamov. Uh, is Chistikov much of a puck mover? Yes, that's what he do. That is just what he does. Uh, do you think there's a chance Brent Johnson goes undrafted? He better not. Uh, he's not really ranked anywhere. I'm assuming it's because he played under uh, 16 AAA last year. Yeah, he better not go undrafted. I mean, he's just, I, I don't think he will. I think there are teams out there that are smart and have picked up on him just like you did. Um, I, I mean, I, he's not perfect. Like, I'm not trying to say like, he's, uh, going to explode the planet. Uh, but, but considering people are talking about how crappy this draft is and, you know, Oh, there's nobody good and blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, I watch Brent Johnson play. I see some really, really positive potential there. And when I look at Brent Johnson early in the year, to I've only done I think three games but or four I don't even I don't even know but game over game there's improvement and you know he's he got more and more comfortable at the USHL level trusting his skill trusting his feet um you know I I really really like what Brent Johnson brings to the table there's some puck management issues that I think you know he just needs to focus a little bit more and cut down on the processing time and just make the simple play but he, again, like you said, he was playing U16 or 16U AAA last year. And so for him to go from that to top pair minutes, like he's playing 20 minutes a night or something with at five on five with Sioux Falls. Like that's insane. Um, not a whole lot of defensemen play that much. And I don't think he's ever been below 16 minutes at five on five in the games I've seen him. Um, and his defensive transition numbers are great. Uh, if you'll notice, uh, longtime watchers might pick this up. Uh, I added a few more fields to this uh, to refine more metrics because what I was finding was I was curious a lot about where players are successful in terms of a, a long blue line transitions. So saying, look, looking at Brett Johnson, for Brent Johnson, for example, saying he completes 55% of his offensive transitions with control, that helps for sure. That's, that's good context to have. Um, but then I'm interested in where is his success coming from there? And what you'll note here is offensive entry percentage and defensive zone exit percentage. So what you get from there is the percentage of, I'm pointing at my screen, like you can see where I'm pointing. But what you'll basically get is what percentage of defensive zone exits are are done with control and what percentage of offensive zone entries are done with control. And then same thing coming defensively. So you want to be low in these numbers and you want to be high in these numbers. So Brent Johnson, I mean, you'll see a lot of defensemen with low offensive zone entry percentages because a lot of teams play chip and chase, dump and chase. So defensemen are going to get to the red line, blue line, and just fire it in the offensive zone. So 
I don't really find this too concerning. It's not how I probably would want my defenseman playing hockey um, or my team playing if they couldn't help it, uh, but I get it. And across the defensive zone, blue line, 65% control is really good. So if you have a guy who, again, like defensively, you're shutting down really well. You're shutting down offensive zone exits really well. For a defenseman, that's really promising. And if all else fails, he's still really good along the defensive zone. So there's a lot to like with him. And it's not like he's pinching at the offensive blue line and failing. Um, You know, he knows when to pick his spots, it seems. And I think that he shows a lot of high-level instincts. And the underlying skill is is good and getting better. So I'm a big fan of him. I th- I don't remember where I have him ranked. Let me look. Uh, I have him at 39. But like looking at this group of people, players I should say, people, players, whatever. Like Ryder Korzak hasn't played. I liked him last year. He gro- drove great numbers. I I like his skill and his maneuverability and everything, but. He hasn't played. He he just hasn't played. But so would I take Brent Johnson ahead of of Ryder Korzak? If Brent Johnson continues to improve, and it's maybe the second or maybe even the third round, if Korzak slips for some reason, then potentially. I mean, I imagine Korzak will be gone by the time I'm ready to take a Brent Johnson. But I could have that dis- dis- discussion over someone like a Jake Martin or an Ayrton Martino or Samu Tuomola. It's a little tough, but I. You could you could make an argument there. I'd have a hard time with it. So I I get the feeling that Brent Johnson might not be a guy I even think about until 35, 36 overall, assuming the previous 35 names are off the board. Um, you know, like over Sasha Pastajov, like again, if I'm thinking one-on-one Sasha Pastajov versus Brent Johnson, I'm putting my money on Brent Johnson shutting him down. Uh, because I look at Sasha Pastajov and go, he's he's his skating is amongst the top end of the guys in this year's draft one of some of the worst in terms of mobility generating speed escaping pressure um it's just not there his skill is okay he's really smart though he knows how to be selfless with the puck he knows how to distribute a puck and you can get away with that but if we're talking like a first round pick that's not the style of player that i'm looking for as a as a potential top end player Maybe as a complimentary scorer, there's something there with Pastajov. He's got a great shot. You know, he, he's got really creative offensive instincts that are really efficient. But I don't know. I, I worry about how much that translates considering everything else to me is a, is a big issue. Um, but And so Brent Johnson, I think, if, if you're going one-on-one, uh, I, I think I'd put my money on Johnson shutting him down more often than Pastajov uh, removing his jock strap and, and putting the puck in the net. Uh... Mm-mm-mm. Okay, where are we here? This thing is jumping around again on me. Um, do, do, do. Oh my goodness. So many questions, thank you. Thoughts on Jesse Puglia-Yarvi? I, in my opinion, he's playing up to his potential and has been playing really solid. Yeah, you're right. Jesse Puglia-Yarvi is a, is, a gr- is a really good hockey player. Um, and again, like all of this previous yelling and screaming especially by people not named jesse puliyarvi or people affiliated with him uh it's um not it he was basically like i don't have any trust in that organization so i'm going back to finland i need to reset and he did and he's come back and he's looked really really good um you know 
I think Jesse Puljujarvi is a. Re- if you watch how he's playing this year, in my opinion, I think he's a really good example of the style of player that I look for, where you don't need to be the guy who, whenever you touch the puck in the offensive zone, that's when the skill comes out and you can score at will. Like that's great. I. I. That's a good trait to have. But Jesse Puljujarvi is a player who earns what he gets just through positive interactions. Just little tiny things you know where he's putting himself on the ice how quickly he identifies open ice and gets to it away from the puck um you know how quickly he adapts to the flow of play and closes gaps on on defenders and gets his stick in the way and just little things that pressure the opponent and cause other people to do more of what he wants like people call him dumb and people call him lazy and stupid but when i look at jesse puliyarvi I see something very different. I mean, maybe maybe he's not intending to do it, but the reason he's generating a lot of these positive results is because he's out there moving hard, playing hard, getting a stick on the puck, and just chipping in. And, and the benefits are constant. The puck's not going in, but the benefits are there. And, and everything is sort of going in the right direction. Um, so, you know, I think he's on the right track. Uh, and I think that, I, I mean, I'm not surprised judging by how much he was just shooting the puck alone last year. If that translated, even at 80% of the rate, he was going to be, he was going to be something much better than he was. I mean, I watched a lot of him when he was in his first stint with Edmonton. I don't know what they were thinking. He was parked in front of the net, stagnant, trying to tip pucks in. They basically must've looked at him and said, you're big, stand in front of the net. I don't know. I don't know because that's where a lot of his points were coming. Now you see him moving, he's skating, he's got speed, he's got aggression. He he looks like he's rejuvenated his career. That's what he did. And and in Finland, he was doing this last year. He was an exceptional Liga player last year. So I, I'm glad he's refound his game. He, you're not off base by seeing him look really good. Uh, is there a player widely regarded as an underrated player and are still underrated? That's what's keeping me up at night. Um. Hmm. I mean, it's 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 hard. Uh, I mean, I think I think Owen Tippett still has good potential. I mean, he was drafted really high. He's well into his career, so you want him to be better. I mean, I've liked him whenever I've seen him, but I'm not sure where the maybe he's another good option for for uh, an article on McKean. So maybe you just gave me my next subject. Uh, we'll see. Um, your ranking changed since last week. Yeah, I mean, I've been grinding away at night, uh, just watching as much tape as I can. Um, organizing things into what I feel more confident about. Uh, I mean, this list is almost certainly going to be very close to the final version. Uh, I've removed, I've done the same thing I did last year where I saw names where I felt I was ranking them because other people had them ranked. And so I've pulled them off. Um, and there are various reasons for that, which I could get into once they're out, but this is basically what they're going to look like. Some things need to be tweaked maybe here and there, but at least the tiers of talent, I think I'm 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 feeling fine. How do you feel about the Hawks rookies this year? Last night they won with four rookies on the ice. Uh Pia Shooter, Brandon Hagel, I think, Ian Mitchell and Kevin Lankinen. In particular, Kurashev and Bodan have exceeded expectations. Yeah, Philip Kurashev has been great. I, I've watched him a little bit with Chicago this year. He's looked great. Um Pia Shooter, he's always been a good player. Like I watched him in Switzerland, was it last year, I think? Uh or two years ago, something like that. And I thought he looked good. I think he went to a world championship one year and looked pretty good. But I, I could be thinking of someone else. But Pia Shooter, I've always enjoyed. 
Uh, Ian Mitchell, uh, he's a guy who I was not super high on uh, when he was drafted, but he's outperformed his draft slot really well, and he's improved a lot since where he was drafted. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, they're a, it's a decent group. You know, it'll be interesting to see where the Blackhawks end up because I feel like they've drafted well. Evan Barrett looked okay in the AHL so far this year. Um, you know, I've liked how Chicago drafted in 2017, 18, 19. Um, not over the moon, but they've done well, I think, all things considered. And if they are going into a few tough years here, uh, you know, let's say Chicago lands, say, a Matthew Beneers this year, that would help. And if they are bad again next year, I mean, if if you have a one-two punch of, say, a Shane Wright and a Matthew Beneers on that on that Blackhawks team, that's pretty good. Um, and those guys would look pretty good in a Blackhawks jersey, if I say so myself. Who's the next Nate Gerby, Sean Doogie-sized guy that could make the NHL? Uh, I want to say Marcus Almquist comes to mind, the Danish kid uh, this year. I, I like him a lot. That's possible. Everyone would probably want me to say Zeon Newbeck, but yeah. I, I'm not super sold on the idea of him being an NHL player, but it's possible, I guess. Um, trying to think of anyone else super, super tiny that I've come across. Uh, I mean, Logan Stankoven is pretty small. I, I really like what he brings to the table. I think he brings a high motor energy kind of guy. Um, but in terms of really small players, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Marcus Almquist is the one that, that comes to mind first. He's pretty small and he plays pretty small, but he's a pretty good player. Oh, here's Dylan Griffin saying Fyodor Svechkov rules. Well, that's that's a true statement. He does. Uh, what do you think Dawson Mercer will be in the NHL? I mean, Dawson Mercer, I think, could be a realistic sort of top six offensive winger. I, I don't think he's going to be a center down the road. I, I, I think first-line first kind of player is really optimistic, but a really solid second-line sort of offensive scoring player, I think, is 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 a is a big one. I think that's I think that's perfectly reasonable. Um, I, I think Dawson Mercer has all the talent and skill to be a offensive player for sure. Um, so we'll see, but he has looked better this year than he did last year. I mean, he wasn't bad last year, but, but he's, he looks like he's taken a step, which is a good thing. Uh, say good things about leaf prospects. I mean, you're going to need to give me specifics there. Uh, Mr. McBride. I mean, they have some good ones. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. BT Bientonen was was on the Hobie Baker ballot, so that's fun. Uh, thoughts on Zegers' performance in the AHL? I have not seen him yet. I need to, though. So I will. Uh, I do need to go back and look at AHL stuff, but there's just so much on my plate right now. Uh, the AHL is is on the back burner right now. Once the once the ranking list is out in the next week, I'll uh, I'll be able to catch up on that stuff. Um, hey, Will, thoughts on Morgan Barron? I haven't seen him play this year yet. Um, I mean, I I've barely barely seen Morgan Barron play hockey, so. I'll have to add him to the list of guys I need to see. Matthew Coronado looks like an interesting prospect with the Chicago Steel. Um, yeah, I mean, Coronado looks good. Uh, he's scoring a lot. The scoring rate has kind of slowed a little, but that's not saying much because it's still pretty hot. Um, his catalyst percentages that I dumped in, thanks to Dave McPherson at Pick 224 for providing the source data on that. He's looked good uh, in those metrics as well. But he is playing with two overage players, like 2000 borns. I think Adam Robbins and Eric Mindendorf are often his line mates. And those guys drive a lot of that bus, but, uh, Coronado is a really good sort of similar to Pastajov, just, you know, chips in at both ends. Fine. Not a ton of pace, but he's smart. He knows where to be. He knows how to get around guys and he knows how to produce offense. Like 
he he's pretty much a no nonsense player. I again question how much it'll translate over time with a higher pace and higher everything. Um, but but uh, you know, in terms of an offensive guy who's not a defensive slouch, um, like I'll I'll pull up his data. I haven't done a ton of games on him, um, but a lot of this is really promising. You know, um, his his ability to exit the defensive zone. I mean, a lot of this comes from his positioning in the neutral zone. Like he he knows where to be in the neutral zone to have open space. But you know, if if he's this good at it, if I'm counter scouting him, I probably park a guy next to him because I don't really see the skill or the speed to escape that pressure. And I I feel like you could shut him down a little bit easier. But the results kind of speak for themselves here. I mean. You know, his shooting metrics are really good. He knows how to get to dangerous spots and shoot. Um, You know, 44% of Chicago's shot attempts with him on the ice are coming from him. Like, that's pretty impressive. A lot of this is really impressive. Um, But again, this is where sort of the context with my eyeballs comes in. I just, I have questions. If if you're in the right place at the right time, you can get success. Uh, But, you know, are you picking that kind of a player in the first round? probably in my view probably not i have samuskevich ranked higher because i trust samuskevich's puck play and his skill and his skating and his escape velocity a little bit more than coronado but i i see how if you pair coronado with the right style of player uh he'll be a very successful offensive piece but maybe not a guy you quarterback align with which is perfectly fine like he's in my second round i could easily be swayed to take him a little bit earlier based on what i've seen of him um, but you just need to know that he's not going to, you know, if you had three Matthew Coronados playing forward, uh, I don't, I don't think you'd have as much success as Coronado playing with, you know, more puck focused, high pace, high creativity, high skill kind of players. But again, I'm not trying to slight Coronado. He's a good player, but playing with guys a lot older than him certainly also helps him based on how he plays. Um, Seth Jarvis had a productive first few games. Yes, that's the good one. Uh, do you think he has good potential to play in the NHL next season or would we expect another year of development? I think it's too early to say, I, I don't know. I, I would think, um, I would think that uh, if it's, I would need to see him in the AHL first. I, th- I figured he would be at least a year in the, in the, in the WHL. So I think it's possible that he pushes for a job next year, but I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch. I mean, he's a good player. Um, you know, but again, if he stays the whole year in the AHL this season, for some reason, I think if that's possible, I'm not sure if he stays the whole year in the AHL this year and then next year they send him back to junior. I feel like that's a bit weird and detrimental. Um, I mean, I hope that the waiver that allows the CHLers to play in the AHL carries forward in the next year for the guys that were in the AHL this year, it would be nice instead of saying, all right, we had fun having you here. Enjoy the WHL Seth Jarvis if he's not ready for the NHL. I don't think that's the right move. So I guess by virtue of that, he could be in the NHL, but I don't know. I'd need to see him. Why do you think Anaheim is keeping Zegris in the AHL? I don't, I know they don't want to rush him, but it's kind of a joke having him out there. Well, they, I, I, they, he's barely, he hasn't played a ton this year. He had the world juniors and he was spectacular. You know, I'm sure the, the ducks aren't really expecting to be contenders. I don't think they really know what's in store for them this season, and I don't think they want to bring him or, or Drysdale into that immediately, which I respect. Um, but, you know, 10 games into the AHL season, if if they think Zegris would be a benefit to their team, then sure, I could see them calling him up. But it's not the first time the Ducks have stashed high-end, high-quality young talent in the AHL for a little while to get them sort of 
seasoned and dominating down there. But yeah, I haven't seen Zegras in the AHL this year, but I've heard he's been quite good. Any high profile prospects that are going to really be disappointed about? Um, there's a few, I guess that kind of brings up the guys that I don't have ranked. Like I don't have Zach Bolduke ranked. I I've seen, I've tracked a couple of games of his. I have not liked him at all. I just, I mean, it's like the way I see it is that's a guy who I'm seeing ranked in the first round a lot. I wouldn't touch him in the first round. Uh, I probably wouldn't even touch him in the second round. And if he's there in the third round, then he must have said something in interviews that pissed off 31 NHL teams and not mine. You know, like he must have said something and I don't want to draft him anyway. Or he must have done something or or there's something that spooks everyone else about him like it spooks me. I, I don't really see it. I mean, I know his team is not good, um, but even in isolation, like he, there's not a ton of pace to his game. His defensive game is is abysmal a lot of the time. He focuses too much on pushing the envelope and that psycho, um, like psychological side of the game a little bit too much for my liking. I just think it's too much of a focus for him a little bit too often and it can take away from the rest of the game. He floats a lot. Uh, the offense is 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 really hit or miss uh, a lot of the time at five on five. Um, you know, I I don't know if it I don't really see it. So I pulled him off the list. Joshua Waugh is another one. Um, I know some people he's not like a first round prospect on a lot of lists, but I don't have him ranked. His transition data is outstanding in my tracking, but again, similar to Coronado, like there's not a ton of pace. Wad does it a lot by being just the guy open in the neutral zone a lot, which is something to say for about that. But but the the hands and the footwork and the skating, it, it's it's all just I don't think it's on the same level as a lot of guys that that I would look for first. I mean, if there's a player there for sure, someone else can take him and whatever. I I I just don't. He doesn't really line up with what I'm looking for in a player, and and he's a player who, for a first overall pick in the QMJHL draft. You know, I, I've tried. I've been watching him for two years, and I still don't really see what there is there that could project. I, I, I don't I don't really see it. Good junior player, pro- probably. I mean he already is, but long term I'm not I'm not so sure. And um outside of that, um Zach Dean is another one I've seen in the first round, another QMJHL guy that I just don't see a whole lot out of. James Malatesta, I don't have ranked. Um, I would say though, the guy that I would think, I mean, I see Zach Bolduke in the top 15. I'm not doing that. I I'm just not doing it. I, I don't see it. You know, if, if it's the second round and I've picked three guys already because I have so many picks and I have the guy from Quebec just screaming at the table that Bolduke is a guy we desperately need. Fine. I'll just do it. So no one else can get him and we'll see what happens. But I don't know. I, I look at the game. I, I look at the game that he plays and I just don't, it's just not my, maybe it's just not my, not my style. Uh, but usually when I get feelings like that, I, I have to stick to it because that's how this works. I mean, a lot, and I don't get that feeling with any of the other guys that I've seen ranked really, really high. I mean, I, I, uh, let me just take a quick look here at the guys that I've got not ranked that are ranked often. Um, uh yeah, Bolduke, Anton Olsen, yeah, another one where I don't really get it, but he's probably not a guy that goes in the first round. Matthew Knees, uh I might need to circle back on him. 
Um, but I st- also still same thing. Roman Schmidt is the other one. Um, but yeah, no, some of those wouldn't surprise people who follow my work for a while. Um, thoughts on Alexander Alexiev and his progression now playing in the KHL. I haven't seen him in the KHL this season so far, but I've always been a big fan of Alexiev. Uh, so if he is playing well in the KHL, I'm not surprised because he's been a good player for a while. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, do you remember what the knock was on Barzal in his draft year? Why wasn't he a lock in the top 10? Well, most rankings did have him really close. Uh, if not just outside the top 10. I mean, that was 2015 and there was still that, that the remnants of the, what is value in the draft kind of discussion. And like, are guys who score a lot based on speed and skill really going to translate to the NHL fully? Um, I mean, I think those, those those debates have now been settled. I mean, that's three years after Griffin Reinhardt was drafted fourth overall or something. Like, 2015 feels like yesterday, but it was quite a while ago. Um, you know, Aaron Ekblad was the first overall pick the year before Matthew Barzal. And so the changing in, in viewpoint and the change in, in opinion of sort of what value in the draft really means was still kind of in a churning mode. Like, Barzal going where he was in the draft, I mean, that pretty much can solely be chalked up to the Bruins picking anyone but him. Um, otherwise, he probably would have been gone in that in that area. But, uh, I mean, you want to talk about a what-if scenario, uh, Barzal to either the Boston Bruins or any of the teams that had the picks in there that, that they had. Um, but anyway, I, I think it was still that churn period where people were sort of switching their thinking and looking at different types of players as more valuable in the draft still. Um, Tyler Madden, someone mentioned, has looked... Niraj, uh, yeah, he's looked good as well in Ontario. But again, I've only seen the AHL very briefly. Mostly it was Henderson and Ontario playing against each other a lot, which probably explains why I like some of the players in that game. Thoughts on Moritz Sider's production in the SHL? Very good. He's been outstanding. Every time I've watched him in that league, he's looked really, really good. And... Just goes to show, I mean, again, my evaluation of him, I had no way of watching the DEL at the time. My evaluation of him was for the German national team, and I thought he looked really good. Solid first-round pick. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show international tournaments don't mean everything, and you got to do at least what you can to find a way to, if you want to do this and, and, you know, whatever. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying I haven't seen a bunch of him, so I'm not going to rank him. Like, I think if that's the case, like, you know, <laughs> that that's perfectly reasonable. And I wouldn't, you know, I don't see that very often. So I'm assuming that people have watched everyone they've ranked enough to feel comfortable with where they've slotted them. I think there are some exceptions, but but generally on the whole, I think most people are pretty reasonable with that. Um, and looking back on it with Cider, I mean, I, my confidence on him was really low anyway. And I feel like the confidence on him was really low with a lot of people anyway. But he's been great in the SHL this season for sure. Do you think Dolan is ever coming back to North America? If so, do you think he has a future in the NHL? I mean, he, I hope so. Um, the North American leagues did him kind of dirty. Um, I trust Doug Wilson Jr., though, that's for sure. I mean, like, he went out and got him, and he's not, like, from from the San Jose Sharks' perspective, they didn't just get him so that he could play in the Al Svenskin forever. Uh, I think he's still a really good player, and he's having a great year. Uh, but like at some point he's either going to need to, you know, poop or get off the pot. And, and 
you know, if he wants to come back, I hope he does. But I imagine that his condition on coming back is like, I don't want to go to the AHL ever again. That was terrible, awful. They treated me terribly, whatever. Whatever is going on in his head. And San Jose is probably like, okay, like we can bring you to camp next year, but if you need to stay in Sweden for now, stay in Sweden. And maybe that's what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I hope so. Uh, what's your take? Yeah. Tyler Madden has looked really good, Ray. Yes. That's my, that's my take. He's looked really good. Uh, biggest draft steals of the last three years. I mean, it's hard to tell a lot of guys have not played yet. Um, but I guess the last three years, we'll go back three years. Um, 2017 draft. Let's take a peek. I mean, really, you can sort by games played and just look. Oh, that's not what I wanted. There we go. Um, yeah, I mean, the ones that stick out to me, I, again, like we're talking three years ago and there's like nobody who's really out of position here on the list. I mean, Philip Heedle hit the ground running right away. Robert Thomas, I think at 20, is a great pickup. Mario Ferraro I mean I'm putting together a piece on Mario Ferraro right now like today I was working on it uh that's gonna be interesting because I I mean I'm five games in of my seven game data set from the last few years of him and I still am a little perplexed as to what's going on there but I mean I think I know and I'm pretty sure I know but I, I mean it's a little weird I mean you look at that though and that's the 49th overall pick and he's almost at you know, he'll cross 100 games played this season, assuming he plays every game. Um, so that's an interesting one. Um, but in terms of, like, relative value to their draft slot, I mean, I don't know how you don't say Elias Pettersson at five. Like, I mean, I really like, I really like Mayor Haskinen. I really like Kale McCarr. It, but I don't know. I mean... That is a that's a good pickup at five. Um, beyond that, uh, I don't know. And I think 2018, 19, 20, it's it's way way too early to tell. Um, Pavel Gogolev signed with the Marlies. Sounds like they tried to sign Tristan Lennox, but didn't. Um, yeah, I don't know what the story was with Tristan Lennox there. Uh, Gogolev to the Marlies makes sense. I know they've kind of had their eye on him a little bit. Um, some of their, some of their people, uh, know, know him and, and, and they, they like him. So we'll see what happens with him and the Marlies. I mean, it doesn't cost much to try him out. Um, I'm skeptical of how much he works out, at least as a five on five player, but who cares? He doesn't, he's not an ELC, so go nuts. Uh, who are your favorite overagers? Uh, who are your favorite overagers so far? Uh, Ethan Cardwell, uh, has been lights out in the Swedish third division this year i mean better than most draft eligible guys and he's very nearly a 2021 eligible um so i've got i've got cardwell in my third round this year uh pavel tutniev has been great as well uh cameron berg as well really really good and then there's a bunch of guys on my watch list this year so far so victor mancini's back uh back on there he's been great with with green bay um i'm in with with ufa is in there uh mixed tumanovs igor suchkov Mix Tumanovs is an interesting one. Um, big, big Latvian defender. Like for anyone who does says I don't like size, uh, Mix Tumanovs is a good example of a big defender. He plays in the in the MHL still, 
for a for a D plus two, which is a little bit off putting, which is why he's at the bottom end of this. But he's a beautiful skater, uh, so I would encourage anyone interested to go check out uh, HK Riga and and see what Mix Tumanovs can do because he's good. Uh, Yegor Suchkov is back on the list because he's he should be drafted by now. He's been very good in the VHL, um, and I mean I just like him. Um, Zivlock is on here as well. Matvey Banikov, Daniel Bashkarov, and Alexei Kozhevnikov. Those are all names on the watch list. But in terms of ranked names, Cardwell, Tutin, Evan Berger, the overages I'm looking at. Mike Satara was on here for a while, uh, but I just don't think there's enough to really, like as a D plus one USHLer, if it's the sixth or seventh round, maybe I take a swing on him for the skill. But again, the pace is a bit of an issue and I'm not I'm not 100% sold on, on the package there after tracking a few games and seeing him as an opponent a few times. Thoughts on Hugo Alnefeld? I mean, he's a good goalie. Uh, probably shouldn't have been playing as much as he was in the World Junior, but I'm not. That's neither here nor there. But uh, I mean, if you're Hugo Alnefeld, I'm sorry. Um, but I really like Jesper Volstead, so sorry. Um, I I don't know. He's a goalie. We'll see what happens. Excuse me. Okay. Tony Ferrari. Crap, he's here. Uh, Tristan Braz has become uh, a, a, a bit of a topic on Prospect Twitter. Explain. I, I like Tristan Braz. Bros, but I, I usually listen to games on mute if you haven't picked that up yet. Uh, so I don't really know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, Tristan Bros, Braz. Um, I, I mean, there's skill there. There's good adaptive skill. He reacts to pressure well. He attacks the net well. Uh, he's a crafty passer. Um, I, I, he's on my list to track, but he probably won't get any data until later. He's a low priority guy for me, but I mean, whenever I've seen him play, he's looked good, but I don't know how good relative to the rest. Like maybe I should, I mean, I have him ranked, um, where is he here? Um, early third round, you know, like a mid round guy, you send him to college for a few years and see where he goes. But like the production for a guy who's almost a 2020 eligible guy um, it's not, it doesn't jump off the page at me. Uh, and I think there's just a lot of other guys that I'm more interested in that will probably be available around where he gets drafted. Um, Gage Gonsalves, uh, I haven't seen him play recently. I mean, I, I thought he was fine last year. I thought he was drafted too high, but, um, again, crafty transition player, good puck manager, good conduit player, receive passes, send passes, receive passes, send passes, not a huge high pace guy, but, but just gets the job done. I don't expect a huge amount of things out of Gonzalez in his career, but he's a he's a fine player. He was one of the better undrafted players, uh, re-entry players last year, in, in my view. Uh, maybe drafted a bit high, but I think he was a late second-round pick after taking Jack Finley, so win some, lose some. Uh, is there a player that you were completely wrong about? Um, there's a lot of players that I was a big fan of a few years ago without really doing my homework, so that's a mistake. Uh... I mean, we can take a look. Um, like, 20... Let's see. Like, we'll go all the way back to 2017 because those are the most embarrassing. Um, I mean, I was... A lot of this is like I was kind of a coward. I mean, like, I feel pretty good about having Connor Timmons at 18. I really, really liked Connor Timmons, and he's been great when he's healthy. Uh, and the guys after him, like... I mean, I had Robert Thomas at 28, but, you know, again, like, I was a dummy. Um, <laughs> Ivan Chekovich at 30, 
I feel pretty good about that. I mean, he's been spectacular in the KHL this year, and I'm hopeful for him for, I'll be hopeful for him forever. Um, but then I look at like, again, when we talk about pace of play, Austin Keating is a great example of a guy who produced really well in junior, but you just watched him play and I didn't really think about it much at the time. I just looked at the data, but you just don't know how it would work. You just can't really tell. Same with Grant Mismash. Same even with an Evan Barrett, who I still like, but but I should have foreseen more issues and I didn't. Um, but I mean, looking at 2017, it's not super, super great all around. I mean, I was a big fan of David Ference, um, but I had him way too low. So again, me being a coward. So over the years, it's funny. Like over the years, I've learned to just forgo being a, you know, second guessing myself and looking at other people's lists and going, I must be thinking something's wrong here because like I actually, uh, I voted for David Ference for the Hobie Baker this year, even though he hasn't played nearly as much as everyone else, but I love him. Uh, I love how he plays. And I went back to the, uh, as much D plus or draft year video as I could find of him uh, because he might be another one that might get a McKean's article next year if he's in the NHL, whoever that might be with. But he looked spectacular with that under-18 development program. He was a third-round pick. I mean, I kind of went back to my 2017 list and, like, here and said, all right, knowing what I knew about these players in twenty in in 2017, whatever year it was, where would I have taken him? Where would I have been pushing for him? And I'm looking at this list and going, all right, a kid who can skate like he can, like, would I take him over? Like, he would probably have been in my 20s range. I mean, I'm I'm obviously 2020 hindsight, but just looking at more footage that I had access to that year, uh, or that I have access to now that I didn't have as much of then, he would have been right up there. I mean, a really, really impressive player. So, yeah, I mean, again, a lot of this comes down to, like, me being a coward. And over the years, I've gotten less and less of that. So this year, like when you see my list, it's not going to look like very many people's other lists. Like I've got guys, I've got a guy in the first round that I haven't seen ranked anywhere, not even once. Um, so yeah, like my second round has a bunch of guys that are listed as unranked because they're not ranked enough. Like this feeds into, I think, 18 or 19 rankings that I've tracked and they have to appear in four or more. So these guys... These guys don't appear in any of them. Brent Johnson is one. Uh, is this Ayrton Martino? No, Jake Martin. Um, you know, Jack Peart. Like, I mean, and I can't help myself. When I watch these guys play hockey, I go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick my neck out for these guys. And if they don't work out, I want to find out why. You know, and I'm not going to know until 2026, which is crazy to me. But that's, that's how it's going to work. Um, because I, I just, I can't in good faith put them lower just because I don't think they should be there. Like they, they've been really impressive players and in a draft as wide open as this with as much craziness, who cares? It's going to happen. Um, thoughts on Tony Ferrari. Uh, I've heard his name thrown around a lot, but I'm not really familiar with Latvians. Um, well, I don't know. You might be talking about Tony Ferraro, but if you're not, um, I've heard of Tony Ferrari as well. Uh, just everyone should just, I don't even know. He's just not a, he's just, you stay away, stay far away. Um, if you hadn't noticed, I might be a lightning fan. Coleman. Yes, I did. I picked up on that. Yes. 
where do you watch european russian chl games uh thanks to mckeens i'll pitch them i've got uh they've got an instat account that that are that we all share uh so yeah that's that's all that's all thanks to mckeens um a good site for streaming games it's tough they they don't really broadcasting agreements are lucrative but for that lucrative nature they block out a lot so there are sites you can use but uh legally speaking it is tough um for a variety of reasons uh it sucks but that's the reality do you think under 20 chl players in the ahl are going to be beneficial for them or not i mean i think it's beneficial for someone like seth jarvis or quinton byfield like they're better served there than the ohl i think that's the sort of silver lining of having a weird season um where there's a pandemic going on um our lightning athletic writer did a story on Gonzalez and how he was a late bloomer who almost made the world junior. So I was interested. Yeah. I mean, he's an interesting one. I, I don't, I don't, I don't expect a huge amount of stuff out of him. Um, he was at the world junior camp, but didn't make the team. I mean, that would have been a hard team to make. Um, but I mean, we'll see. I, 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 I don't expect a tremendous amount out of him, but he was one of the better re-entry players last year. Do you know anything about John Leonard and Ivan Chekovich? I know much more about Chekovich. I've heard good things about Leonard this year, but I need to check. I, I mean, Chekovich is an outstanding player. The Sharks swung big and got him so much later than they should have. And I'm not surprised he's been as good as he's been whenever he gets some space and open ice to play around. Um, we'll see how it translates to North American pro, but I mean, he was really, really great in the QMJHL, which is on North American ice. So we'll see. I gotta rehydrate because I think the next question is from my good friend Heart of Lad. Oh, I think there's another question I missed. Sorry, Heart of, I'm gonna take you a minute. There's a question from the ch Twitch chat that I missed. Um, I mean, there's only one person in there, so I might I might pull the plug on the Twitch chat. I think it was Brian Stewart who brought up that it kind of sucks that you can't set reminders for simulcast live streams on Twitter and and or on on a. Uh, twitch and, and and youtube at the same time so i might just go back to straight up youtube um this was worth a shot but you know we'll see i'm gonna give it a couple more times and and if need be go back to the pre-scheduled youtube live streams where there's reminders and everything but uh, i appreciate the the question chelster uh how was scouting this pre pre compared to how was scouting this year compared to previous years no different to me it's a little weird because guys can jump around leagues and jump around levels a lot more than they than they usually do. Um, it's fascinating because you see North Americans playing on European ice and the things you notice that are issues that are exacerbated and the issues that are made easier are pretty apparent. Uh, and that's been really interesting. It's kind of like a big old experiment um, that you didn't think you would benefit from when the pandemic started um it's been really interesting but in terms of talent and getting a read on what's out there there are players that i certainly uh, haven't ranked that i mean i might be misevaluating there are players on this list that i'm probably wrong about because they haven't played this year like i have archam grushnikov in the first round i really liked him last year in the mhl um i was i am desperate for him to play games in, in this season i mean I don't know what the situation is with him in the actual NHL draft, but that's a good player from last year that I was really hoping to see in North America this year. Um, 
but so that's where it's tough but the vast majority of guys are playing somewhere and i'm i'm down to to just go with my gut on a lot of this i mean the nhl can do whatever they want and say whatever they want and put the draft whenever they want but i mean i think the solutions they're thinking about are only going to make more work for themselves that is unnecessary the you know like if you can get 85% of the way there with video only and zoom calling the prospects to get to know them zoom calling their coaches and whatever doing everything remote if you can get 85% of the way there and not have to worry about drafting and or scouting two classes at the same time next year then you do it then you just hold your nose and you friggin do it and you be adults about it like no other professional sport is talking about radically altering their entire draft situation just because we can't do things via video more like that doesn't make sense to me um and i'm just a dude in my basement doing this in my spare time and like i i don't know maybe i'm wrong on all of this but i don't know i just i i i i'm pretty confident i think uh especially at this point and it's only february like i've been at this since september for the 2020 group i mean i'm not yeah and like it's it's only been five months and i feel like i'm i'm pretty set like about evaluating these guys and i know that i'm not alone even from the team side like there are people who are ready to go um and feel confident but it's not up to them really um do 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 guillaume oh sorry heart there's another question before you again i don't mean to do that on purpose but i gotta get to guillaume first especially because we share a name can you please explain to me what's so appealing about Roman Schmidt's game and why some experts have him ranked in the first round? He's big and he can skate. That's it. He's big and he can skate, but he is the guy this year who everyone thinks is the defensive defenseman of the future, but his defensive metrics are terrible. Uh, he is uncoordinated on his feet. He's a good forward skater. Like he's an okay passer with the puck, but like he's he's this year's Tyler Clevin to me but like not as good defensively he's he's not he's he's a good skater in a straight line but I do not see I do not see it I've seen him get completely undressed in the defensive zone way too often I've seen him not use his physical presence way too often um you know he he has that sort of Mukamadulin kind of vibe but he's a better puck manager than that i don't have him ranked he's just a player i mean he's a player that's gonna get drafted but i would just not have interest in picking him you know like there are other defensemen that i'm looking at that are a few inches shorter better skaters better puck managers better everything who have better results and i think i would rather put a bet on those guys um okay heart of i'll finally get to your question what do you what do you think the Penguins are doing, uh, Ari Hextall and Burke? Well, uh, I think it was Brian Burke today who said we're gonna try to win. Um, I think those were his words. I think he's like we're here to win. Uh, and I mean, look, think about it realistically. You get the job as the P- Pittsburgh Penguins general manager. Are you gonna frickin' trade Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin? No, you are not trading those guys. You are going to have those guys on your team until they are forty five years old, and then they're gonna be assistant to the general manager special assistant to the supreme envoy of the chancellery of the republic of the pittsburgh penguins kind of thing like that's what they're gonna be i mean i 
ring, ring, this is the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Would you like Sidney Crosby? And you're on the other end. Where do you even start? Where where do you even, like, how many good years does he have left? What is, what, if you need to extend his contract, what does that look like? Will he even bother? Like, what, where, where do you even go with that? Evgeny Malkin is the same. Like, what do you offer for that? It's just, it, at least until the team is broken and old and disheveled, I think those guys are Pittsburgh Penguins. Like, and I think even then, like the Toronto Maple Leafs didn't trade Matt Sundin, and Matt Sundin nixed a trade. Like, he didn't want to leave, even when things weren't going so well. Um, you know, like, are the Chicago Blackhawks, the Chicago Blackhawks still haven't traded Brent Seabrook. I mean, that's a little different. Or Duncan Keith, or Jonathan Taves, or Patrick Kane. And like, that team has not been good. Um, but the Pittsburgh Penguins, it seems like they want to try to win. I don't know how they're going to do that. Um, but they're going to try. So does that mean that they use Sam Poulin and change gears and try to, you know, does Pierre-Olivier Joseph become a piece that they move for veteran pieces up front? Do they, you know, what do they do? Do they trade picks, the picks they don't kind of have? I don't know. If I'm the Pittsburgh Penguins though, like that's a job that I don't know if I would be super excited about. I mean, like, my focus would be if, I mean, in my specific world, hiring me to work for the team in their scouting department. I mean, it's like, well, you got to maximize value with their draft picks. That would be your focus because you're not going to get a first round pick. You might not even have a second round pick. So you're going to need to know, you're going to need to be really dialed in and know exactly who you want when someone slips in the draft. And that would be the focus for me because I don't, I don't think it's rational to look at the Pittsburgh Penguins and say, we need to blow it up. And that means trading all of the big names because like, I don't know what that looks like. Um, I I just don't know what that looks like, you know? And, and there's, there's, there's arguments to be made where you could underbid on someone like Sidney Crosby. Like he's a fantastic player. He's a hall of famer. But in my view, when you look at how old he is, if the penguins are going into sort of a teardown and that's the name they want to get rid of, I don't even know what that looks like. And and I think that, that I don't know how you win that trade if you're Pittsburgh, unless Sidney Crosby is like, I am literally retiring at the end of the year. I want a chance to win a Stanley Cup. It's not going to be with Pittsburgh, unfortunately. So trade me. Maybe then you just go, all right, we need to get something for him. You know, and you work something out where you send him to a contender and get pieces. I don't know. But in the immediate future, I think they've said, and I think they're right to say, we want to at least try to win. And if we don't, then we're going to go from there. And if ownership, because like Mike Gillis's presentation was very, very logical and and like nebulous of like, here's the ethos of the team that we want to look like, which is great, but you're not that team. That's not that I can see why he wouldn't get the job because that's not what they're looking for. I think if I'm Ron Hextall, I walk in there and go, look, this is the situation with the team. You've got these players and it's hard to maneuver around. So we got to try to win. And, you know, if we need to use picks to land players that can be useful for a playoff run, then we got to. At the end of the day, we're probably going to be really bad in a couple of seasons at best. But we got to try because we've got Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, you know, Chris Letang, and we've won cups in the past and they deserve one last kick at the can. And if that doesn't work, then we'll go from there. But for now, that's the plan. And if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm like, 
sure like that makes sense and you bring on brian burke and you see what happens i don't know it's gonna be fun i think but yeah it's that's a team that the fix is gonna be i think a long-term thing not something that they're blow up immediately uh do you love eckland or do you love him i love him uh coleman you joined the patreon today thank you very much i don't i didn't see the email so i will uh i'll check and i'll get your account set up after this stream is over have you watched keandre miller with the rangers this year yeah he's been really good um i'm glad he got out of wisconsin he's looked really good uh i don't know what else to say really mobile great skater really good puck carrier i, I mean everyone knows he's he's a good player I, I i i'm really really pleased with how he's looked with the rangers and i've only seen the rangers play a couple of times um but he's looked good thoughts on lucas Forcell? uh he's scoring a lot i don't i don't buy it i've tracked a couple of games of his he's got a heck of a shot but i don't know he's young but yeah i mean his team's not great um but yeah i don't i don't i might need to circle back on him so thank you for the reminder but i i remember both games sitting there going like i'm waiting for the i'm waiting for the offense because he's not doing much defensively and the offense never came either so he's scoring somehow but i i don't know do you think the second to late round fallers profile worse than worse than last year sounds like there are a lot of less exciting players but maybe that's because the draft is far away do you, do you think the second to late round fallers profile worse than last year? No. So if I'm reading your question properly, um, the guys available, I think that what's interesting about this draft is that a lot of lesser known names have been really, really impressive. Um, like, and that can happen guys, you know, you don't, you don't get the public visibility of those names that rise. Like Jake Martin caught my eye with the USNTDP immediately. And he has gotten better. Like, I really like Jake Martin. He he had some inconsistencies at the beginning of the year. His puck management needs work. His offensive game is is very limited, I think. But I don't really care. Like, I, my understanding of what to look for in a defenseman has kind of shifted a lot in the last couple of years. Ideally, I would like them to have offensive tools. But if I'm looking at a mid to late round pick... I mean, Anton Johansson is an example to the contrary, but if I'm looking at a mid to late round pick on a defenseman, I'm looking for the ones with the defensive instincts and the mobility and the skill that's there, but the offense needs some development and work. Because with defensemen who can do all of those things really well, production should follow naturally if you can tweak just moving pucks to a reasonable level. And with with guys like with Martin... That's where his game kind of falls apart, but his defensive game is outstanding. It is, his stick work is some of the best I've seen in the draft this year. He is one of those guys who chains together really positive defensive plays when I've seen him. Um, You know, he needs to get stronger on his feet, but he's brilliant with his positioning in defense. Like he's, he sticks himself to guys and his mobility and skating allows him to really stick to those guys. I really like him. Um... And, uh, that's, that's kind of the type of player that I think slips in the draft. And again, like I did this in my discord server. So if anyone's there, like, you'll know, I went through the top draft, like I went through the top scoring draft picks or sorry, sorry, top scoring NHL, uh, defensemen. And like, none of them are high draft picks. Like none of them. I think Petrangelo is one, two of them were undrafted. Tori Krug and someone else and that i think that was over the last decade so since 2010 
until last season. I think one of the top 10 or 20 was a CHL top end pick uh, or a top end pick at all. And it was Petrangelo. And there were guys in there from the mid first round, like Eric Carlson was in there. Uh, second round, third round. I'd have to go and find it. But it's interesting. Like really good defensemen don't always or often come from the first round. And so when I'm looking at defensemen, you know, those are the ones that I think slip, especially in this year's draft. I think there's a lot of really good defensemen that could be available in the middle of nowhere um, that that aren't getting a lot of attention because it's it's hard to sort of be a defensive player and get a lot of attention that is coming from a legitimate, you know, good at defense kind of area. If you're big and physical and bruising like a Caden Gooley can be, then sure, you might get in people's heads and in their minds and going, oh, this is a really good defensive player. His defensive results were very good. But when I look at the offense, that's, you know, that that's where things kind of lost me with Caden Gooley as a high, high-end pick. And, I mean, I have Jake Martin in the same region as I had Caden Gooley last year. So that kind of holds to me. Um, but I look at Jake Martin and see even better skating ability than Gooley had. Um, there isn't the diversity of defensive skill, but but he has really good defensive results. Um, I mean, I'll pull him up. Um, you know, like, the red looks bad, but for defensemen, there's going to be a lot of red. Uh, really good offensive transition metrics. Like, again, with defensemen, offensive entry percentage is not going to be super high a lot of the time, dumping the puck a lot. Um, and he's not super involved at the offensive blue line, but I mean, he, he's shutting down almost 80% of defensive or sorry, he's, he's shutting down like 70, 60, 62% of defensive zone entries and almost 80% of offensive zone exits. Um, you know, I'm all about it. Uh, I, I think, I think he's got a ton of potential, you know, going from 64 defensive zone transitions where he's involved per 60 minutes and shutting down 20 of them. A lot of it is from positioning. Like, he he covers ice. Even if the puck squirts out into the neutral zone and there's someone on the opposing team chasing after the puck, he closes that gap faster than they do, and that, that counts. If he was not there, that would be a controlled exit into the neutral zone. But he's there. He's there, and he dumps it into the offensive zone a lot of the time. But I'd rather that than him taking a step back and facing a defensive rush into the into the defensive zone. And he does that really, really well, constantly. Like, these numbers are are pretty much on an island by himself. And I think Yuri Tiachek is the only other player that comes close to this kind of a, of, a, of an output. Um, so I'm down. Um, Drake, even though it's early, who do you see as the highest ceiling? Oh, for 2022. Um, oh, those are, oh, geez, those are 2022 and 2023. Uh, Bedard. Do you see some upside for Vilyami Mariola? Uh, a little bit. I don't have him ranked. Um, he's kind of a guy. He's fine. Um, good skater, I think. That's kind of where he makes a lot of his money, or where he makes a lot of his results. But I, I need to do more data work on him. I remember watching him and, and tracking him and not thinking there was too much there. Um, but, yeah. In the late rounds, should teams draft more overagers? I mean, it depends on who's available of the draft eligibles. But... I'm not against it. I've draft. I've put some lists on my list. I've put some overage players that that were, um, that are that were there. So like, Anton Lukachov was on there. Um, I would do that one over if I could. If I could, I like him, but I probably would have put Cameron Berg on there. 
Um, I don't. Maybe he's the only one. Is he the only one? Looks like he's the only one. Oh, Suchkov is on there. Right. He's an overager as well. Uh, or an undrafted player. Um, have you enjoyed Pinelli in Slovenia? Can you tell everyone how great the hockey is? Tony. Man. I'm going to try to be nice because you pay me money to keep my bills paid every month. But please. Don't make me watch Slovenian hockey. Just stop. It's not good. Francesco Pinelli is an interesting one. I need to see more. That's all I can say right now. I've seen two games of his. I mean, the offensive production is outstanding, but or at least the offensive metrics are outstanding, but in the Slovenian league, half the people in this room could probably play in that league. It is bad. And I expected Pinelli to just rip those leagues apart, but he hasn't um, in terms of actually putting the puck in the net. I I, I don't know about Pinelli. I mean, I, I want to see more of him. It's still very, very early, but I have seen some things out of him that I have not seen out of any other prospects. Brent Harrison has not played until now, and he looked better in his finished junior league game so far than Pinelli has. I don't know. I, I don't... I. Maybe there's something I'm missing. I might need to just watch more of him. He might be getting his feet under him. He's he might have been jet lagged in the game that I tracked, and he just looked he looked slow. He wasn't processing processing the game around him very well. Um, you know, he was generating results, especially in the offensive zone. But I don't know, man. Like it was, it's it's bad hockey. Um, and I don't know how he ended up in Slovenia of all places, but. Please don't make me watch more Slovenian pro hockey. How did you get noticed and now work for McKean's? I started email, uh, I started email scouting. Yeah. Um, I would say, uh, keep your eye. You're only 16. So keep chipping away and do the work like on your own as much as you can. I, I mean, McKean's came to me, um, and I had another outlet reach out to me around the same time out of nowhere. Um, like one thing that's always stuck with me and like, obviously I'm not, I don't work for an NHL team. I'm not like the guy at all, at all. But one thing that's always stuck with me is, uh, I think it was Jeff Merrick saying a long time ago, like if you put out good work, people are going to peep the right people will find it eventually. And I'm a believer in that. Like, if you're passionate and you constantly focus on improving yourself and constantly present yourself as more and more professional, you know, like, I know that early in the work that I did that I could have been more professional. I could have been more cordial. I could have been more open-minded. I could have done all these things differently. And that's certainly something that I admit. And and I think it's important to reframe things as you get older, as you get more experienced, continuously be willing to adapt and improve and you know, try things and not be afraid to fail and all these little, like there's tons of videos on my YouTube channel from years ago that, well, not years, but like two years ago that I just cannot stand anymore. Um, but they're still there and they're embarrassing, but you can watch them. Um, and they're very different content types than what I usually put out. And I've kind of slimmed down my, my tack cause I want to spend more time doing, doing data work. Um, 
because that's what I enjoy. And that's what people seem to enjoy. Uh, it's, I operate my website on Weebly, which is, you know, I pay 200 bucks a year and they host it for free. Um, and all that, all that works great for me. It works fine. It's easy to put together. So you can start your own website from that and just do it. Um, and, and people will over time gravitate, make sure that what you're, you know, I always, when I write something out, I read it out loud before I hit post because that can also help you articulate your thoughts better and don't be afraid to re rethink things you're writing and, and, you know, like articulate your thoughts better than, than, than you, than you were. And sometimes you need to say things out loud to do that. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, how did I get noticed? I, I, it just took time. Things take time. You're 16. I didn't even start thinking about this stuff until I was 26. You know, I didn't even start the business until I was 28. And it took like a lot of things in my personal life to kind of kick my bum to the point where I'm like, all right, screw it. I don't care what anyone says. I'm doing this. I'm going to try it. And like, it's not easy. I don't, I don't, you know, like I'm not living in a palace like David Dobrik and, and driving Lamborghinis every day, thanks to my patrons and my millions of YouTube subscribers. That's not how, that's not how I envision my life going or being, but it's slow. Like you, you keep, you keep just a step at a time, you know? And, and the thing I always tell people, cause I've had people like you email me and stuff and, and I chat with them sometimes. Like the thing I always try to do, like there's tons of people out there who are like, work until you die, work until you can't work anymore, do this and do that. And just be the greatest and be this and be that. It's like, no, my approach is every single day when you wake up, be sure that when you go to bed, you're better at something than, or you're more informed or better at something than you were when you woke up. Like find something. I don't care what it is. Read the Bible, you know, um, you know, find some YouTube channel that you like or th- that you've been putting off for a while. That's informative and helpful and, and watch it or, you know, read a book listen to an album that you like or pick up cross stitching and try it or something. I don't care. But like just in life, it, it helps your brain feel better about yourself when you find something that you can wake up and think about doing, do it. Even if it takes five or 10 minutes in the day and go to bed being like, yes, I feel better about myself because of this. Like you don't need to be David Goggins running 20 miles a day to feel good about yourself, in my opinion. If that's what it takes, great. But for me, I, 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 for me, it's like some days, there are days where I wake up and I'm ready to just grind. And I want to watch six guys track a bunch of data, have a feel way better about the draft at the end of the day than I was when I woke up. And one thing after the other, you know, like I still work a day job and, and if I have an extremely busy day there, that throws my whole day off. You know, if I have to, if I have to do stuff during lunch or, or take a shorter lunch break or, or whatever, um, you know, if that screws up my day for a long time, I would go to bed and be like, damn, I didn't get everything I wanted to do all day. And I feel like I failed. But at the end of the day, if you did three of the six games you want to do, just, you did something, you, you came away feeling like you did something. Even if I've had days where it's like, I want to do five games and I do one just because mentally it's just not there and forgiving yourself for doing that is helpful. And the only person who can do that is you. Like 
And anyone who tells you that you should feel bad about that, I mean, if it happens for like three weeks straight, then you might need to have a chat. But like a day here and a day there, like you'll wake up feeling better if you go to bed and you're like, you know what? We'll just, you know, it's like burning the game tape of a, of a seven, nothing loss. You just throw it in the trash. You take what you did and just go, okay, I did it. I did what I needed to do to, you know, do something. I feel better. So just little things. Time flies. Tempest fugit, but it also doesn't. Just don't rush things. Like y- y- a good example, a good resource I would suggest is Dauber Prospects. They have some turnover recently. They might not have openings right now, but definitely Tony Ferrari is in this chat room. He 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 would be happy to keep you in the loop about what is you know. I mean, I'm assuming he would be. If he's not, sorry. Uh, there might be reasons for that, but Tony's a nice guy. If you know, you might need to cut your teeth a little bit more and, and get your writing up to snuff and, and figure that side of it out. But they picked me up early. No questions asked. I got a message from them out of nowhere and was like, Hey, you want to write for the site? And I went, okay, fine. I wrote for this team actually. Um, so yeah, I mean, take things one step at a time. Like you're, you're, you're like half my age, which is crazy. So, so don't, don't, don't worry too much. Um, you know, it'll happen just one day at a time, one thing at a time control what you can control and if you're passionate that'll show i guess uh wow you're very high on lee cell yes at equal talent and equal odds of success how would you rank the relative value uh of key positions number one d center right wing left wing or number one goalie i take the goalie uh a goalie can a goalie can make a gm and a coach look like geniuses so i'm taking the goalie and they're out there 58 minutes a night usually what are your thoughts on possibly delaying the draft until 2022? I would not want to do that. Uh, I think it's a short-term fix for a problem that doesn't really exist that will cause more long-term problems for traditional scouts, and they're going to hate that too. Um, no matter what, 2021 is a pain to everyone. But giving up, um, you know, j- just like throwing your hands in the air and going, we know nothing, so just postpone it for a year. Like, again, the thing that's convinced me the most is, like, what if I'm the GM of the Seattle Kraken and I have the first overall pick? Let's say it's Matthew Beniers. Is he NHL ready? I think it's feasible that he could be, but I don't have that player now. So for the entire first season of the Seattle Kraken's career, they're not, they don't have a player who could be a top middle six center for that team? That doesn't seem fair. And you're withholding that from that team. What if Owen Power goes second overall? Whatever team has that second overall pick, is he NHL ready? If they believe that he is, they don't have Owen Power. He might be a top four defenseman for them right off the gate. I'm not saying that's true, but you're taking that away from that team because scouts are not able to do their job right now, which is true to a certain extent. I can understand why you want to go to a rink, but I don't think not going to a rink is such a huge problem relative to the tools that we have access to now, especially considering how much baseball scouting is done on video, how much football scouting is done on video. Like, I don't I don't really buy that excuse. It, it seems to me as though they're uncomfortable being a fish out of water and, and the organizations haven't really adapted super well. But th- those are my thoughts on it. I'm expecting it to happen regardless because that's just the world we live in. Sometimes things that are deeply unpopular and unrealistic and illogical just happen. Um, 
But I mean, like, I can't even imagine the workload for a traditional NHL scout 2021-2022 season going, all right, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm looking at these three guys that are 2021 eligible that have been playing for two years and I haven't seen them. And I also got to watch these 2022 guys and, and do this and this and this and got to go to all these games and stuff. It, you think that's something, you think that that's something that will help you, but I don't think long-term it will be very beneficial, especially from the team's perspective. Like that's a lot to stay on top of it for, for one year. And that's, that's, that's a, <laughs> that's a lot. Um, I don't think it's realistic. I think the delay from then till June was a, was an idea posted by Elliot Friedman. I haven't seen anything confirming that outside of like pushing it into the fall again. And if they want to do that, fine. I would really like to know because that's five. The draft is five months away or four months away. We're four months from the draft. So if they're expecting to change the date of the draft, it would be really nice to know that, but whatever i'm not i don't maybe the teams know it'll be pushed back and it just hasn't been made public which is fine but i mean again cutting it close and just keeping everyone in the dark um but again we didn't know the draft last year was going to be canceled or pushed back until like may i think anyway one over it last week too and like it's i don't know like there's nothing i can do about it uh why are these cell stats below average in the shl uh from what i've seen puck's not going in and he is uh still kind of getting used to it i haven't seen him play in the shl for a little while so i need to circle back on him um i mean he's not also he's also not playing the kind of minutes william eklund is playing he's not playing with guys like jacob josephson and alexander holtz like william eklund is um your garden's defense looks really mobile and fluid with the puck which helps a winger score points with lulio i don't know i mean I, i think he's looked really good in the shl though i'm not really concerned if you were Steve Eisenman, who would you take for the Red Wings this draft? Probably Beneers. Uh, frustrated Rangers fans. Something's up with the coaching staff, deployment, development of prospects. Seems like other teams' kids are put in a great position to succeed, unlike the Rangers. I mean, Miller's looked really good. Uh, if you're talking about Lafreniere, he's doing all the right things. Uh, I think he's just adjusting. That's really it. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, I had a feeling he would have a bit of trouble adjusting to the NHL, but... A lot of the things he's doing are, again, similar to someone like a Yarvi. Like, a lot of the little things he's doing are are correct. In the role that he should be playing, he's doing fine. Uh, it's just that the puck is not going in the freaking net. Um, but he's doing, the, he's doing the thing. I think it's just a matter of time. What are your thoughts on Sebastian Casa as he is a first-round talent? I mean, his data from last year looks good. He's big. He saves a lot of pucks, and he saves a lot of pucks year over year. So I'm in. I don't know if I'd pick him in the first round, but he's kind of ranked in my first round by default because other guys just keep pushing. Oh, no, he's 33. Yeah, he's 33 on my list. I mean, he's big. He stops pucks. He's a net positive goalie relative to his team from last year. I don't know if I'd take him as high as I have him ranked, um, but I don't know. I would trust goalie people more than I trust me. Do, 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 do. What's the real effect of rushing a player? Ruins their confidence, simplifies their game to keep up. Can they be saved? (laughs) I mean, again, it's rushing a player from what I've seen. Like a great example is Leah Sanderson. Uh, I just went through him in painstaking detail um, and he was rushed. You need to recognize that the NHL is a, is a, it's a funnel. Like 
the the world's global hockey competitions are a funnel a triangle upwards and the nhl is at the top the best of the best junior a players and and ushl players go to the ncaa that is that will funnel out certain groups of players then from there they go from the ncaa to the ahl for example or the echl that funnels out players as well and the difference the biggest difference is that leaving the ncaa the age limit is gone so you're removing a limit that artificially suppresses the talent level in that league for good reason but you have to be sure that the 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 ability for these players to play against a team full of players who are probably better than them for now you have to be sure that they will be able to get there and their trajectory is positive so when i'm looking at players i'm looking at things that will help them make that transition easier so if skating is an issue that is something that i pay a lot of attention to how a big thing i pay attention to is how you react under pressure to play if you're faced with a four checker who's closing in on you under pressure how do you escape it you escape it with speed with skill with physicality a combination of the of the above or do you buckle and do nothing and and buckle under the pressure and get rubbed out along the boards like all of these things happen to different players in various ways and you know like obviously i'm not looking for someone to be brendan gallagher all the time and just a motor that just won't quit everywhere on the ice but i need my players to at least chip in defensively and know where to be and know how to support a breakout rather than flying the defensive zone and looking for offense right away like that to me is a concern um and i think that because when you ratchet up the pace of play all of those defensive issues where the players maybe not as engaged as they could be or they're not stick checking as much as they should or they're just watching the play go on around them the play around them is just going to get faster and faster and faster and you're going to try to be like no no no, you got to catch up you didn't catch up to the junior level pace of play, but now you've got to catch up to the NHL level of play. And with Leas Anderson, like he was already in the SHL, but like he didn't really look like anything more than a middle six SHL player at that point, which is no, not, nothing bad, but the pace of his game wasn't super high. He strongly benefited from a big ice surface, um, you know, where he had more space to make decisions and more space where he could play around a little bit more. Uh, but the 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 pressure and, and his willingness to be physical away from the puck was not really there. And, you know, I don't need him to be leveling guys, but you need to be Im- imposing yourself in some way. And I didn't quite see that. And when that went to the NHL, he had trouble connecting on his passes. He had trouble maintaining control on offensive transitions. He, you know, as soon as he would get the puck there was a guy on him and he did not do well managing that pressure and where he's changed is being much more aware of where his line mates are and saying all right i got let's say i don't know who's a new york ranger who's been playing with him recently i don't don't know off the top of my head but let's let's or who was playing with him recently i got i don't know freaking mika zabanejad i've got mika zabanejad literally on the other end of this four checker I'm not going to be able to escape this situation. So I'm just going to give it to Mika and he can go off to the races. So he, he, he knows now how to look for those plays and just does it. And it's no nonsense simplifying, simplifying his game. It's, it's not the same style of play as he was when he was draft eligible, but at least he's a bottom, at least he's a bottom six guy, you know, and that's beneficial. And that's, I mean, he was drafted way too high, but he was also rushed and those things came out. 
So when I'm looking at players, I'm looking for pace, I'm looking for speed, I'm looking for skill, I'm looking for problem solving, all of these things. And and some guys ranked really high, really lack in some of those areas, but I have faith that the other areas will compensate or they'll be able to learn. Um, but yeah, I, it's a good question. Um, but that's been my experience watching those guys. And going back and watching guys like Wallstrom and uh, Anderson really good examples of 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 not rushing players but highly drafted players who show signs of maybe not being guys you look at really high and and struggling like Oliver Wallstrom all of those shot attempts that I tracked of his from literally the middle of nowhere in junior sure those might go in more those probably go in a lot more often than they do in the NHL but 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 once you ratchet up that pace of play the goalies get better the four checkers or the defensive four checkers get much stronger. The defensive players will not let you get away with nearly as much along the boards. Uh, and Wallstrom just never had that escape velocity. He never had that, that escape skill. It was very much, I got the puck and I'm going to coast into the offensive zone and shoot it from outside the faceoff circle or pass it to Jack Hughes. And Jack Hughes is going to do stuff like it, it. It was there. And so when I'm looking at players, those are things that concern me. So I'm not really afraid of of highlighting things in a player's game in those areas where I'm like, I don't know, you know, like, and, and those exist with players that are on my list. Uh, what are your thoughts on the five top Swedish forwards? Lee Sal, Eklund, Robertson, Olauson, and Rosen. Uh, am I wrong for wanting the Leafs to draft Stromgren? You're not wrong about Stromgren. Um, thoughts on the top five Swedish forwards? I mean, they're all really good. They're all different players in different ways. I mean... I have Lee Sell at three and Eglund at five, but again, at the, my top five, you could reorder anyway, any way you want. Like, would you take Luke Hughes number one overall, Will? Yes. Would you take Matty Beniers? Yes. Would you take Jesper Volstead? Sure. Uh, Fabian Lee Sell? I might need a few drinks in me, but I might. Uh, William Eklund? Again, might need a few drinks in me, but I might. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, they're all really good players. I bumped Simon Robertson up to my second tier today and moved him up to 10th on my list. I really like Simon Robertson. I think there's a lot to like there. Might be a really rich relative to most people, but you know, you work with that natural talent that he's got and and try to coach him to be more confident and, and more assertive with the puck. I, I think there could be a really, really exciting winger there. What's the biggest issue with Riley's defense? Is it just that he faces top competition? I mean, I've seen Morgan Riley play for years, and I mean, his defense is definitely not a strong point. Um, you know, I mean, he's not the biggest guy that factors in, um, but I found that he also focuses a lot on the puck, which is okay, but you can lose sight of things positionally and get drawn out of position very, he gets drawn out of position quite a bit. And that's not to say that he's terrible. Obviously, he's a great offensive defenseman. And I think the pros heavily outweigh the cons. But, like, part of it is strength, but he's kind of shored that up well enough, I would say. Um, yeah, I don't know. But but I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's as bad as it was in prior years either. I think his defensive play was pretty bad for a few years there. But also... I mean, he has not had very many people who are his paramates that can really cover for his issues, uh, like Cody Cece and Dion Phaneuf, and yeah, not great. Uh, but TJ Brody has been better and better, and that's a nice foil for, for Riley. 
How am I doing, Smork? Uh, I'm doing fine. My head's starting to hurt, so I might try to close this out pretty quick, but I'm doing okay. Uh, the video work that I'm starting to do is getting a little stressful, putting a lot on my own plate, but that's okay. Uh, where did you have McDavid ranked in 2015? I wasn't doing this in 2015, but I'm pretty sure I had him ranked 217th. Uh, I just learned that watching you click that you can sort columns on Hockey TV, mind blown. I know, right? Isn't that cool? Uh, what are your knocks on Ratu, and do you think he can and be able to improve on those weaknesses? Uh, yeah. I mean, Atu Ratu, I, I, I think the biggest thing with him is confidence. Like, I, I want to talk to him because I feel like there's been, he puts a, it, it wouldn't surprise me to find out that he's the kind of person who puts a lot of pressure on himself and sets his expectations super high for himself. Um, his offensive game needs work in terms of actually taking the puck and putting it in the net. That he, he has great shooting instincts. He knows how to get into position. He knows how to do all of these things really well. He's a great skater, great transition player. Like I'll pull up his data because I've done a few games of him and I'm pretty confident, um, about his projection. I, I really like him. He's he's just barely outside of my top tier. I don't trust what I've seen enough to put him higher. But if he's available outside the top ten and 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 someone like even a, a Simon Robertson is not there for some reason. I mean I, I I am running to the stage so fast to take a chance on him because the 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 skating, the skill it's there. The smarts, it's there. When he does shoot the puck and gets a shot attempt, it's from dangerous areas far more often than not. Um, passing the puck needs a bit of work for him in the offensive zone. I think he needs to view options a little bit better and, and simplify his game a little bit. Um, you know, but the offensive transition data is phenomenal. Like, this is crazy to me. He plays in the Liga and he enters the offensive zone with control 74% of the time when he tries. And he exits the, I mean, exiting the defensive zone is a little bit easier because usually you don't face as much pressure, but this is crazy. 73% against men. And he does that with speed and skill. And I will bet on that. Um, defensively. Yeah. He might need some work, but he has gotten a lot better over this season. Just applying himself physically, closing out breakouts and, and closing out lanes and such. He does a much better job than he was. And going back to the U 20 level, he seems to have flipped a switch. So if he keeps trending upwards for the rest of the year, I'm in. Uh, I, I think he's a top 10 player for sure. Um, and I think he's got tons and tons of potential. He just needs someone to teach him how to hit the net more often, um, which would be a big thing for him and, and a little bit better in terms of vision in the offensive zone. But again, I mentioned this before. Carpet is a very heavy perimeter team. They do not like to get into dangerous areas very often. Um, and when, he, when they do, a lot of it comes off of, of Ratu's stick. Um, doo, 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 doo. what do you think is the most important attribute of a defenseman uh if we're talking about defense i'm looking for what is their thought process when you're facing a breakout right like ideally with a defenseman you don't want to be in the defensive zone um so i'm looking for guys who can break up those breakouts a lot so uh a really probably the best example of that is is Yuri Tihachek, which is not a name I hear often at all. Um, but this is a guy playing pro. He plays on Yarmir Yager's team. 
So when I'm looking for in a defenseman, so you'll notice a correlation here between extremely low shot attempts against, uh, I think that's the lowest I've tracked. And I think this is four or five games, four games, I think. Um, and so you've got a guy who against offensive blue line exits, he's shutting down 31% of them, or he's allowing control on 31% of them, which is crazy good. And he's even better on the defensive zone entries. He's actually surprisingly good compared to the other defensemen we've looked at in terms of entering the offensive zone, but he doesn't do it very often in terms of volume. Um, but what I'm looking for in a defenseman, like I'm not looking for the biggest physical guy. I don't care. I'm looking for results. So, you know, one thing that did draw me to Caden Gooley, for example, is that he's not just a physical player. He'll, he'll close out those gaps. So, I mean, I don't have my document where I can draw and stuff on and uh, all that, but like, if there's a breakout coming his way in the defensive zone, he makes great reads in terms of, okay, I'm going to lead with my stick. And if I can't break up the play across the blue line there, then I will use my lateral mobility and close out that gap and pinch the guy along the boards. And then his defensive partner usually should be there to support him and pick up that loose puck. Cause Caden Gooley just didn't quite have the pivot and mobility to, to pick that puck up and turn it around himself. Um, nor did he have the puck management to reliably do that a lot. So when I look at defensemen, I go, okay, like how do they do defense? You know, like Brent Johnson is really good with his stick. He can wrap his stick around guys. He has great feet to keep up with the pace of play. That's another thing I'm looking at. How often are they moving their feet to keep up with the pace of play? Are they latched on to players away from the puck? You know, that's a big thing that drew me to Jake Martin. In the neutral zone, he knows where to go. He knows who to find and who to latch onto, and he sticks to them. And, and does a really, really good job of making his life easy. Like, that's another thing I'm looking for with defensemen, is making their life easy. Yuri Tihachek is extremely good on his feet in terms of skating, covering ice, you know, getting in the way, chasing down loose pucks, chasing down opponents, um, and, and just freeing pucks up off of them. And he does it against men in the second division in Czech Republic, which is, you know, not the best league, but it's, it's pretty solid. And he's getting more and more minutes and he's facing tremendous defensive workloads. I think that's more than anyone I've tracked. And he's much better in terms of like controlled defensive entries at 20. That's more than you'd like, but he's still over 70% of preventing control. And it's consistent across both blue lines. So I'm really curious about, about how this kind of thinking projects long-term. And if we're looking at, again, like really valuable NHL defensemen, some of them were drafted really high, but a lot of them were not. Um, and, and I'm of the belief that there's a lot of players in the world who could be NHL players, but are not uh, because of, of the way people seem to perceive how hockey should be played in North America. Um, I'm going to need to start banging through these. I'm starting to get sweaty. Uh, thoughts on some of the lower tier OHL guys like Harrison, Arcuri, and Stillman. I've only seen Harrison this year. He's been good in Finland, but I got to track him and catch up on him. Uh, what with really bad GMs somehow making fantastic picks in the draft? Um, not sure what you mean by that, my friend. Uh, might have to follow up with me. Thoughts on Lori Pagliunyemi? I get questions about him every friggin' week. I mean, he's scoring goals. He He's shooting the lights out, always has been. I don't know how it'll translate. I mean, Victor Olofsson worked out, or has worked out for the Buffalo Sabres for a while, so we'll see. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, McCarr or Hughes? 
I kind of would go with Makar, but I've answered probably answered that question differently a hundred times. Hughes or Hughes? Um, Makar. Williams, speak about Martino. Very, very good hockey player. Really fun offensive hockey player. He might need to fix some stuff in terms of that instinct of jumping the defensive zone and jumping into the offensive zone way too quick. I, I, I think the first game I tracked of him, he just was like six miles offside at least three times. Like, to the point where you're like, what are you doing? You know, like, sometimes guys go offside and it's whatever. It's not a big deal. But if you have a guy offside by more than two feet, like, three times, you might have a guy who's trying to jump the gun a little bit too much. Um, but tremendous skater, generates speed tremendously well, tremendously skilled, great playmaker, great shooter. I have him just on the fringe of my first round. I really like him. I could consider him in the late first. Great pace. Um needs to work on his defense but i don't really care i think the offense more than pays for itself uh where can we read that piece on mario ferraro it will be it's not out yet it's going to be on mckean's or it'll be out to patrons probably over the weekend uh and mckean's sometime next week so it'll be public probably next friday or monday in the monday after ish somewhere in there it's a bit of a it's a bit of a ways out but it's the date is almost done then i gotta write it which will probably be this week uh crosby sells tickets i think that's from the pittsburgh discussion that's true thoughts on sasha Schmilevsky? i haven't seen him play this year but i've always been a fan uh, again another one of those ones that san jose drafted that was just falling and went way too late uh how do you think timothy logigren's game has changed since his draft year he's become much more de- defense oriented than his draft year yes that's true um which is fine uh whenever he was trying to play offensive immediately when he was with the marlies early uh he was having trouble but i will point out when you look at his age group and scoring in the AHL last year in defenseman alone, he was number two behind Brandstrom. So I don't think it's as bad as people think it is. I mean, again, this will be his fourth year in the AHL, which sounds bad, but last year would have been his first year in the AHL had he played in the OHL. And usually OHL defensemen don't go to the AHL after one year, usually. So... I mean, I, I have faith that Liljegren will, will figure it out. I mean, there's a bit of a logjam in Toronto on defense now. I don't know. I mean, Rasmus Sandin can't seem to find playing time, and they added... They got Miko Lettinen, and he can't find playing time. Like, And and Toronto, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They seem to be doing fine. So it's a bit of a tough spot. Maybe Liljegren, if someone really wants him, gets turned into something that can help Toronto win for the playoffs. But I, 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 I have a lot of faith in him, for sure, still. Um... To do thoughts on Linus Weisbach. I need to check up on him again. I'm, I, I, um, Antonin Vero and Gatineau. Yeah, I've liked him. I actually was watching him recently. I was putting together a brief watch list for next year just because I was tired and needed something that was easy before bed. And so I was just looking at a bunch of 2022 guys. He was one that stood out quite a bit. I mean, I really like Tristan Luneau on that team. Um, he's looked really good uh, the more I've seen. But yeah, Vero certainly looks good as well. Thoughts on Jay O'Brien? I don't have very many. I'm sorry. I, uh, I haven't seen a bunch. He was drafted way too high. I don't know what else there is to say. I, I I didn't really like him a whole lot when he was draft eligible, and I was shocked to see him drafted in the first round. Uh, what did you think of Master Simona BU? I really like him. Shifty, crafty playmaker, good puck distributor, uh, good on his edges. Not super great in a straight line, but I always really liked Master Simone's potential. Um, kind of reminds me of like a Mackie Stamoskevich this year, you know, like that kind of vibe. Um, Borgo over Bolduc. Uh, 
absolutely I don't have Bull Duke ranked. Um Which 2021 defenseman project to be strong matchup heavy penalty minute playing guys? Uh um I mean, who would I want killing penalties? Uh Jake Martin, I would say. Daniel Cheka probably is up there. Carson Lambos you mentioned would be up there. We'll call it that. We'll say Jake Martin. Yeah. Jake Martin, Daniil Cheka, maybe Archam Grushnikov, um, and Carson Lambos. We'll say, we'll call it that. I got to believe if they postpone the 2021 draft to 2022, the first round will still take place in the summer. Probably. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be weird no matter what. Is Lambos' skating and transitional defense the primary knock on his game? Remember people being a lot higher on him before the season. Um, I wouldn't say that. I would say that the problems are with the puck on his stick. His transitional defense is actually pretty good. Um, Lambos. His transitional defense is actually pretty good. So he's suppressing defensive play pretty well, especially into the defensive zone. Like, this is really good and promising. This is all under 20 level. I did see him play in the Liga when he played, I think it was last week. Um, the pace of that game is really high. And, and I think that was a little overwhelming. He was panicky with his passing. Not the first time he's been a little panicky with his passing. I mean, this improved in the second game I tracked, but his ability to just dump the puck when there was no need to do so is there. But like a lot of CHL defensemen do that because that's just what they're trained to do. Uh, you know, I, you know, like I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I have questions about Lambos's potential. That's the big thing. Like, what is he going to be? You know, I think optimistically, he's a defense-first, second-pair guy who you don't have to worry about a ton. You know, and in the offensive zone, certainly he can be shifty and, and open up space and open up the ice and get shots off. But I, I still don't really... I don't see the, the top 10 player that other people do, especially relative to what I've seen out of guys playing in Scandinavia like Robertson... Um, what I've seen out of a guy like Daniel Cheka, who's bigger, rangier. Um, I think there's, you know, he's a, he's a safer bet, I think is what I'm saying. And and you might get yourself a number three, number four defensive defenseman there. Whereas with Lambos, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's, it's a bit riskier based on his profile, but I think in terms of a de his defense, it's, that's not really the issue so much. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that mid to late first round makes more sense for Lambos than like top 10 or top five if I've seen him a bit recently. Uh, Damien Carfagna. I don't know who that is. I will put him on the list just because you said so. Topi Nimala and Sta are playing games again. Who do you think has the highest ceiling of the least second tier prospects? Uh, um, define second tier. I don't know. Like a second tier to you could mean very different things from me. Uh, I'm trying to think of Leafs guys recently that are, I mean, Nemal is up there. He's taken a step this year. He's looked good. Um, who else have they drafted? I don't know. Uh, off the top of my head, I have no clue. Um, so forgive me. I'm, I'm drawing blanks. It's late. Uh, Walster was the consensus number one a long time ago. What happened to his stock? Nothing. He's still a good, he's, he's a robot. He's a robot hockey man. Uh, that he's a great goalie. I don't know. Uh, yes, Luke Hughes to the Canucks would be good, Mr. Locke. What are your thoughts on Dermot and Hall? They're both good players. I really like Justin Hall this year. 
safe, reliable, dependable guy, you know? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <clears throat> Dermot, we'll see. I don't know if Dermot's going to be a Leaf at the end of the year, but we'll see. Uh, thoughts on Rasmus Kapari? Always been a big fan. I haven't seen him play this year a whole lot, but uh, I, I'm curious. Uh, I mean, I, I think his, I think he's, he's mobile and skilled. I don't know if he's going to be a center down the road, but but I, I've always liked Kapari's pace and his skill and his skating. It's, it's all really positive, and, and I think that he's, part, he's a good part of the future for the, for the Kings. Um, thoughts on sports psychologists and can they help guide a prospect in the right direction? Well, I mean, I took a sports psychology class and I think it's important to, to be on the same page as an athlete. And sometimes you do need to be trained in order to be empathetic to the point where you can understand them. I mean, psychology, I mean, sports psychology is, is basically, I mean, think, just, just think about what the words mean. Do you think that there is a psychological side to being an athlete? Absolutely. There are things that athletes have to deal with that they have to do that most people do not and require specialty information and, and knowledge. You know, like I really look at, you know, what's with sports psychology, like you need to know how, what makes a player tick and how. And, and sometimes you need to dig in on that a little bit better. And like being a coach, sure, technically that should be their job. But not every coach is particularly good at, at that. And that's okay. You know, but you do need someone to to be on that. Oh, Harrison, what are you doing? Thanks, buddy. Harrison, I believe, was the first person to sign up on Patreon. So thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think sports psychologists hurt. Uh, there is lots and lots and lots of academic research out there about the effect of psychology on an athlete. Uh, the, the the effects of mental health on an athlete and and not even just that but like ac- like acclimating to an athlete's needs in order to maximize their performance those things that's that is a factual thing that there is research of that is conclusive that there are there are there are things that you can do more of to entice an athlete to be better and and that exists so it doesn't hurt i guess is what i'm saying uh talk about cider i already did he's looked great this year for sure Duel, what happened to Sam Bennett? The problem is I need to find video, and I don't think there's video that goes back that far. Uh, but I can look. But that's a good one. Why did you think Atu Ratu did not make the finish team? Uh, he wasn't scoring points. He was looking very uh, sub-ideal, not confident. And I think they were doing it just to be like, we're not going to gift you a job. Like, we're not going to gift you a role on this team because we think you deserve it. Like, no. He wasn't playing very well, in my view. Um and he wasn't playing confidently, he was not, he just wasn't right. And I think that that has helped him. He's looked much better since the World Junior. He went to the junior level and looked fantastic, came up to the Liga, and he's looked great. So we'll see how he goes for the rest of the year, but but he's been, it, it seems to have switched something in his brain. Stanislav Fozil, please. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I, need to, I need to circle back on him and, and do more, honestly. Uh, he's one that's kind of hard to read. Uh, so I'll, I'll have to defer, especially because it's 1140. Uh, did you watch Nikita Gustlistov? The fact that I couldn't pronounce his name should give you all the indication that I have not seen him play, but I've added him to the list to look at. Uh, Zach Cohen, how am I? I am tired. Uh, last question. Do you think Shane Wright has a game-breaking ability? Yeah, I think he does. Uh, what are these rumors that Kaliev is four to five years older than reported? There's always rumors about Russians that they're not the age they say they are. 
I don't, I just don't care. I just don't, I don't care. Um, it's also kind of really weird and nefarious. Um, you know, I don't know. It, like, Mikhail Grigorenko was the last one where that kind of was a thing that was popping up, and it's like, that would be a pretty juicy story, and if it was real, I would think by now journalists would have uncovered if it was real or not. And the fact that they haven't leads me to believe that it's not real. And I imagine with Kaliev having those rumors about him for years, if those if that is out there, someone would have found out how. Uh, I mean, hockey journalists are not often journalists in the mainstream media. Um, they're a lot more hype men than anything and, and sort of beat writers. But, you know, there are hockey journalists. Like Katie Strang is a really good example of someone in hockey who does hard journalism um, and and brings up some uncomfortable stuff that everyone needs to be more aware of. And I'm sure there are others that I'm forgetting about, but she's the big one. Um, and I think it's sports in general with her. She's much more broad than just hockey, but like, that's a story that if it were true, it would be a, an insane story and people would chase it. But I don't think it's true because there's been none of that. I uh, think Clint Costin's streak in the K is just luck or is this what we hope for? I don't know. I haven't seen him play in the, in the KHL, so I'll have to check it out. Uh, there's actually a question from Twitch that I haven't answered and I'm going to have to bang through it quick. Uh, with the Canucks trending towards a top 10 selection, which of the top D would be the best fit in your opinion? I mean, Luke Hughes would be fun in Vancouver. That's for sure. Um, Brant Clark, I mean, Owen Power, I mean, it depends on where we're drafting in the draft, but if it's, if it's top five, I'm, I'm looking at Luke Hughes and having the two of them would be fun. And thoughts on Yoni Yermo's season. He's getting better in over his head a little bit early in the year with Yip and in the Liga. Um, but that team has also not been very good and they've gone through some tumultuous changes with their team. Um, but he's been getting better, I think, which is good. Thoughts on Jack Pert. I uh, got to circle back on him, but he's nice and skilled and fun and, and pretty talented. Uh, I have him in my second round. Um, good defensive player as well. Uh, but, but yeah, I need to circle back on him. His puck management can be a bit hit or miss, but, but there's, there's talent there. Last question of the night from Travis, uh, Dylan, uh, thoughts on Dylan Holloway since after the world juniors, he's on a tear in the NCAA. I'm glad. I mean, look, when I did the video on him, I said, you know what? He's a Swiss army knife. I don't know what he's going to be, but if he's a middle six guy where the skill comes out more then that's great. Um, his second half last year was much better than his first. That's kind of an adjustment from the AJHL and you know, the skill came out, but he wasn't attacking as much with it. And this year he seems to be much more confident, much more experienced and much more comfortable. Um, so I'm not surprised. I'm glad he's scoring more. Playing with Cole Caulfield helps a lot, but I think uh, Holloway has taken a big step. I still think like a good Swiss Army Knife second line, maybe third line guy makes sense. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be, you know, I don't think he's Trevor Zegras or anything uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, but I do think that um, the skill and the and the pace and, and the potential is there. Uh, and he's no slouch at both ends of the ice, which is also a benefit. Uh, all right, I got to call it a night. It's been over two hours now. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. This was lovely. Click all the buttons below me uh, so you don't miss anything else. Uh, it would really be nice if you hit the bell because if we're going to keep doing Twitch live streams as well, you won't be notified when I go live until I tweet it out. Um, but it's always at the same time too, 9.30 Wednesday nights, Eastern time. Uh, so come by if, you know, unless there's... <laughs> if I'm not streaming by 9.35, I probably put out a tweet that I won't be streaming that night. But... Uh, still trying to figure out this simulcasting thing and if it's worth it um but i think it's still too early to tell with twitch so thank you very much for joining me and appreciate the patience there's lots coming soon um like i said 
the report on uh, Romanov comes out tomorrow. Another report comes out for, or I'm going to shoot another report for Hooglander this weekend. Rankings in the next week, uh, at least for patrons and stuff. Mario Ferraro for patrons and McKean's in the next little while. Um, so stay tuned for all of that stuff. And then, I mean, in March, we start with the scouting reports and that's going to be a time. So thank you for joining me. Uh, and we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Uh, click the bell. Uh, so you know when I'm live, uh, son, good chat. Um, stay frosty or whatever. I don't, I don't know.